And welcome to We Heard About Pluto, your favorite podcast about the show Friends. <laughs> That's not right at all. <laughs> None of that is correct. Hi, everybody. I'm George, and welcome to the best little horror house in Philly, the show where we ordinarily talk about the best horror movie ever made, according to our guests, at least. But this is the third week of Plutember 2022, baby. In week one, I was visited by the spirit of JP, who confronted me with the visage of the Lost Boys. Then in week two, the ghost of Riggs and I bore witness to Malignant. But it's week three, which means all the hosts of We Heard About Pluto will gather to discuss a movie I got to choose. And I fear this more than any specter I have seen, but I know its purpose is to do me good. And as I hope to live to be another man from what I was, I am prepared to bear their company and do it with a thankful heart. Will you not speak to me, Regs and JP? Whoa. George, welcome. What's up, George? And uh, we welcome welcome both of you. I'd like to welcome Thank both you. of you. Yeah, welcome, Regs. Well, Regs, welcome. Welcome to We Heard About Horror. Mm. I know that Regs has really developed a bit of welcoming people, so mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I give Regs time to welcome people it's not like a bit though like i genuinely i genuinely welcome like i'm i really do mean it and that's why i'm so like you know i i like hearing you welcome here Mm -hmm. because you refuse to do it on we heard about pluto that's true that is true well that's why you're you're host prime it's your job to welcome that's true that's true. I am host. But George, Prime. was that the actual Dickens you were reading there? It was. Well, that was uh, good. I, I actually, I don't know if you could tell. I put you and Riggs's name in there. <laughs> I didn't what? catch that. No, no, no. That's my parents named me after the Dickens character. JP. Oh, there you go. Well, uh, I am prepared to do it with a thankful heart. I'm very excited to have you guys back tonight. It's always great talking about movies with you. I love doing it individually, but when we get the boys together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just tuning my I'll be ready in a second That's right He's also, Reeks has drums So he's tuning a drum set somehow Alright, he's pulling out a mouth harp Ladies and gentlemen That's me right there that was it was pretty good. I will to be say, honest. One of the one of the coolest, and there are so many coolest parts about growing up in Baltimore is we've got Fort McHenry here. And uh inevitably you'd go to Fort McHenry on a field trip in elementary school probably three or four times. Every single time I bought one of those damn mar- mouth harps, like yeah. a colonial mouth harp. Sure. They're dumb. They're a good way to snatch your teeth. I mean, yeah. what are you what else are you using them for? What else are you gonna do with your life besides smash your teeth? That's right. It's a reason to go have... to the dentist. Obviously. <laughs> This one trick you know, to never you, seeing your dentist again. Yeah. It's don't buy a four, mouth harp. Four, yeah, four out of five dentists agree. Don't <laughs> smash your teeth in with a mouth well, harp. Why do you think they get every dentist gives you a mouth harp on the way out? <laughs> Trying to get you. It's back really I, my dentist. My dentist. I got the head the treasure box, and I would like dig in, but all the treasures were just mouth harps. Oh, it's a or sticky a hand. There was, there was like a ball in a cup. No, no sticky hands. You got a ball in a cup or a mouth harp. Wow. Oh, I miss those sticky hands. <laughs> those sticky hands. I, are I, I got sticky hands right now. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. All right. <laughs> Let's move on from that. <laughs> I was eating coffee before we recorded. <laughs> so like I said, I actually got to pick tonight's movie, and I actually accidentally picked a movie with some thematic similarities to the Suspiria remake. That was my choice for last year's Plutember, and also an accidental topical choice with the protests happening in Iran right now. It is A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night 
directed by Anna Lily Amirpour. What a movie. I fucking love this one. Uh, this is, again, one that I forced upon Riggs and JP. Neither one of them had seen it. Uh, I know that it was on your, your list, JP. I would love to hear a little bit just about what you guys knew about this movie going in, what you expected, that kind of stuff. I didn't know anything about this movie. I saw the trailer a couple of years ago. I had it on my list. My buddies all told me it was so great. I didn't know what to expect other than it's a vampire movie, it's black and white, and it's beloved. This was a wild ride. Wild ride. Claire said it, I'm going to give her credit, but I defy you to find a genre that this movie is not. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got it all going on. We talked about the genre blender mm-hmm. last week with, uh, with Riggs and Malignant, but this has got a lot of the same, same sort of blending going on. It certainly does. I had no idea. I mean, you, I had never heard of this movie before, and I kind—I of, think it was the same. I'm in the same boat as I was with Suspiria. I don't think I have heard. Uh, you know, I mean, you guys, you know, know know me by now, and you know, I don't the really list. the list and how I don't like know things in popular culture or have seen a lot of things <laughs> um, outside of Psych. He's an expert on Psych. psych totally. But um, so this is really no exception. I had not heard of this before. And yeah, I was blown away. I was blown away. I had no idea what to expect. I knew it said on like the I think I watched it on uh, Prime video and it like the little like genre things it said. It said like suspense, horror, Western. And I'm like, well, mm. what is going on here? I like it was. And it also, it also said romance. Yes. Ro- yeah. Romance, too. So it had so many different things going on and it was it, it was great. Nothing was overdone. I loved it all. Absolutely. Absolutely. This one has some pretty interesting context. And uh, we're going to talk about the themes pretty early in this conversation, I think, because it is so integral to the context of the movie. But Anna's atheist parents left Tehran for England at the start of the 1979 Iranian Revolution, wherein the country became an Islamic Republic. They then moved to Miami and eventually California, where she also attended UCLA and first had the idea for the movie, seeing an extra on a short film she was working on, walk through the set wearing a shador, which is a specific style of veil worn by some Muslim women. Amirpour tried it on and felt like a bat. Who hasn't been there? Put on a cape. Oh, I'm a bit of a bat now, aren't I? Of course. I, 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 every single time, literally. Especially when you get the fangs in, too, and then you start feeling like you need to flap your cape behind you. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm absolutely. I, I also sleep upside down. So mm-hmm. it's just that was natural for me. Boy, mm-hmm. ooh, you need to watch The Lost Boys. You're going to change your habits. Well, this all led her to the concept of an Iranian vampire. And Amirpour wrote the script in Persian. Uh, it's, it's spoken in Farsi. She hired yeah an entirely Iranian cast to represent the setting of a fictional city in Iran, though it was shot in Southern California. So there's an interesting like locational aesthetic combination that I'll talk about more a little later on but uh it is uh, so part and parcel of it like we always talk about how restrictions can breed creativity and how sometimes things work out in terms of like you don't you don't you can't necessarily know going into it like oh i have i'm i can't shoot in iran so i'm gonna shoot in my backyard here i'll just shoot in california like you can't know how impactful on the themes that will become until it's in it right (laughs) until it's already happening until you see it yeah everything in this movie feels 100 percent deliberate and 
it, it's it, I didn't know that personal history for the 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 writer director, but you immediately have that feeling of pre that rev- the pre revolution pre coup Iran because it, it's a time locked movie. Like it's not it, it's not modern day. It's not. It's not necessarily they're not giving you what data is, but very much you get those underpinnings of like the culture that mm-hmm. you can you can read about in Iran that was just, you know, when religious zealots came in, it, all of that went away. All of the modernization of Iran went away. And it almost feels like it's right in that end of days time period there um, thematically and everything. But then you couple that with like you can tell it's California if you really look like like there were manicured lawns. And that's when I was like, that's not I mean, of course, it wasn't around. But but it, it also lends itself so well to it because consumer culture and capitalism are, are absolutely part of the many themes in this. That style of like California manicured lawn fits into a lot of I'm sure you're going to get into this, George. But like not knowing that it was so cool to see that and to know like these choices were made to create this entire tapestry. Yeah. Movie look good. Reeg's like. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself, honestly. I'd say not all levels. I just can't. Like, that with JP, that was just so well said, and there's nothing I could say to to add to that other than I, I really do think, like, you, I couldn't tell. I was fooled. I was fooled, like, when they were just looking at it. And I think the use of black and white really helped this, like, setting. Like where yes. it was in like that it kind of like in, had like that industrial feel to it. Um, I guess now that I know it's California, it does make sense like thinking back on it. But it did have that like, and it, the just like the like the black and white and the lighting that they used throughout too, just really yeah. gave it that like that I don't know that gritty feel. I think they were going for. Sure, feels like a racer head. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. And there, there, I will say yes. before we move on, I, there there was a there was a, a palm there was a palm tree of sorts at one point. Yes. And I was watching yeah, with Claire, and she immediately screamed, "I spotted the pineapple, motherfuckers!" Wow. Oh yeah, the pineapple oh, palm trees. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But she yeah. found she spotted the pineapple. There was a bunch All of right. them. Finally, finally chalk one up. For her. We're going to put that on the board. We'll we give her a point to. in the other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you know what? I'm updating the list right now. <laughs> she deserves it. Can't ever come in last with Nate and Days. Yeah, seriously. So the film follows the titular girl. She never gets a name. And uh, she is a vampire gal who wears a Shador, uh, played by Sheila Vand, who is stunning. She is incredible in this. She's totally magnetic. I mean, just what an incredible performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just her pr- presence is captivating, to say the least. Yeah, yeah. It's well said, Reeks. Because what I was going to say is, she doesn't say very much at all. She 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 says it through looks, gestures, and she's incredible, absolutely incredible. Yeah, it also takes a lot of influence from its vampiric forebears or four bats, if you will. Nah, I will. I will. I will. <laughs> With the black and white photography, the intense shadow work, and that minimalist dialogue, you know, it helps to kind of create a mesmerizing feeling which i think is so interesting because that is famously one of the like vampiric power sets Mm -hmm. is hypnotism and it does that just by drawing you in you know when they do talk it's it's so rare that you are leaning in to hear what they say and the i mean yeah like you said they are truly captivating Mm -hmm. that's a great word for it well we will get to it and i don't want to jump ahead so i will just say it kind of ambiguously but there's a scene in this there's several but there's one scene in this movie in particular there is no dialogue they crank up the soundtrack 
They don't say a word uh, to each other. Mm-hmm. They act the entire scene through looking at one another, touching one another. I have never seen a more powerful scene in a movie. And with, with not a line of dialogue. Like, no joke, George, I know that this is this week's the best horror movie ever. This is one of the best movies ever. I, I wow. st- legitimately it. stand by it. Dude, I fucking love it, bro. Bro. <laughs> Unbelievable, bro. Bro. <laughs> they were ready for their close-up, bro. Yeah, exactly. So I talked a bit during the Carrie episode about the monstrous feminine. And here... The girl sort of subverts that idea. Mm-hmm. Ordinarily, characters that hit the monstrous feminine hallmarks see them having masculine traits that make them monstrous. Functionally standing in for a masculine role, you can see it even with another vampire in From Dusk Till Dawn, when Selma Hayek transforms to become both grotesque and dangerous. And you compare that to the girl, who is not only beautiful, but also remains that way, despite her dispatching of the distinctly male population around her, while remaining A, modestly dressed, and B, modestly vampiric. You know, the fangs come out, but it's never, like, that crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not Bram Stoker's Dracula from uh, from the 90s in here. It's just really a, such a fascinating way to handle the character and a vampire in general. It totally was. Like, the way they kind of... The way they handled the vampire was really interesting to me. She was just kind of like just a girl who happens to be a vampire. It's listen, you know, she's listening to music and everything. She's developing feelings for someone else. You know, it's like she's just like a reg- it seems like she's just like a regular person that also yeah. just happened to be a Dracula. Sure. She was a, a, a skateboarding Dracula. A skateboarding no less. Dracula. Yeah, that was cool. I, the best I, kind. The characterization of the titular girl was exceptional for, I mean, this is just one of several reasons, but she, she never does turn into that thing, which is funny because so much of her character is built around mm-hmm. her mimicking the things that men say and do to her. And so, and, and so, but she never reflects the monster, like you're talking about the transformation, but rather she just literally, I mean, you, you have a scene where she is mimicking the movements of the father character. Yeah. When she is first seen and, and in a scene where uh, the, the drug dealer is touching her face and it's supposed to be him like trying to be sexy with her, yeah. but it, it, it's, it's a violation and you feel creeped out. And then she bites off his finger and uses his finger to do the same thing to his face. Oh, yeah, She's yeah. no more a monster than him. And, and like, I, that's at the heart of like, what's so powerful about that characterization is they don't make her a monster. There's, I always like the, the, you know, I always posit the alternative theory where, okay, but what if the magic supernatural stuff wasn't really happening? Is there a way you can look at this movie differently? The witch is the one I always go to where like, there's a version of the witch that you can watch it. And it's just about isolation, desperation, starvation, loneliness. And ultimately like the girl didn't join witches. They just like died out there and she was going crazy being alone whether you buy it or not here, there's a version of this story. That's really about a hurt woman who has been so decimated by men that she doesn't, she doesn't trust or want to be around men, but they continue to pursue her. And she only goes after the people who are perpetuating cruelty against women. And all that she's doing is mimicking their behavior, but they see her as other, they see her as a vampire. A woman can't do the things that men do. Mm-hmm. That she must be creepy and monstrous. Yeah, it, it, that characterization is so awesome because it's not 
grotesque and it's not she's never flying or super powerful although she does do some good teleporty stuff at times yeah i agree and, and look the cape she looks like she's flying when she's on that skateboard yeah she does <laughs> <laughs> she's not one-dimensional which is a lot of what uh, vampires you know they can be a lot of the time when they're in stuff you know, film, yeah. movies, and TV, it's always, like, kind of, like, one thing. Like, she's a bunch of different things. She's, you know, like I said, listening to music, yeah. doing skateboarding stuff, which mm-hmm. is fun. I wish she would have done a kickflip. That would have been the only... That's the one issue with this movie. Yeah, I wish she would have done... She doesn't do any tricks. Or grinded a rail at some... A you know, nollie, perhaps? Right. So, you mean, yeah. uh, 1080? What if she did? Or Christ there. <laughs> okay, we're just taking up the Tony Hawk stuff? It's Christ there, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah Christ there. <laughs> What if she did like a four time real 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 grind, like, you know, and then off the <laughs> stairs into the pool? What if she collected the S on the top of the school? <laughs> oh, that'd be so cool. You just it's sitting there the whole movie. You're waiting for the <laughs> What if instead of her on the skateboard, it was somehow Spider-Man, you know? Yeah. Oh, man. That would be sick. Oh, my God. Or Van Margera, you know? But I, they, I ways that they could have improved this movie. And the Avengers yes. show up. Yeah. What if the Jackass crew ran wild in this movie? Oh, my God. Johnny Knoxville's there. What about that? With Thor? <laughs> yeah. The ghost of Ryan Dunn shows up. Wow. But just like the wig got him at the end. Yeah. <laughs> He's a ghost, and she's a vampire. You know, it makes sense, mm-hmm. the supernatural element. That's the love story. Audiences yes. will eat that shit up. I'll eat that shit up. And there was one scene where, like, she was uh, uh, wearing the... What's it called again, George? Uh, Chador. Chador. Okay. She's she's skating towards the camera. She looks like she knows how to skate, but then you don't see her face in that shot. And I couldn't tell if, if, if Sheila is actually a, a, a skater or not. Because another scene... She's like on the skateboard clearly, but she's up against the wall and just like pulling herself forward. It was the director, in fact, who is a lifelong mm-hmm. skater. I read that. Yeah, that's cool as hell. Yeah. That rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is cool. But all of this that we're talking about, all of this characterization, all of what she's doing does align her with the Aviva Briefel theory that does draw a distinction between male and female horror villains with, quote, Male monsters reveling in masochistic acts, including self-mutilation, like Freddy Krueger. You know, you see him, like, slicing at his own head to juice himself up before kill. Versus female monsters tending to commit acts of violence out of revenge. And she also specifically calls out vampirism and the recurring thirst for blood as a, a, a metaphorical menstruation that does align vampires with female characters. Interesting. Hmm. This movie has an awareness of, like, I would not be surprised to learn that the director is, like, a huge movie history buff. Like, mm-hmm. like this this is not someone who, like, just was like, oh, spooky vampires, that's fun. Like, this is, sure. this is someone who understands film and understands the history of vampire films. Sure. Vampires being fun is icing on the cake, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that said, vampires are simply positioned as an appealing fringe as well. You know, the border between death and life is a lot of what people get into about vampires. Mm-hmm. Uh, and finding family on the fringes is certainly a theme that the movie is exploring, as is that being caught between two things. And that's something that I definitely want to talk about some, because there's an emphasis on that family and the idea of home in a lot of movies, books, comics from diasporic communities like Iran's displaced population post-revolution. Where 
it sort of transcends physical boundaries to become more abstract. It's like a blend of memories and hope. And these texts help to mediate that immigrant experience while also building, and it was, I mean, the term is an imagined community of sentiment regarding their specific experience of exile. And I saw this a lot in Hebrew school growing up, and they, like, specifically highlighted, like, works about, like, oh, going back to Israel and, and next year in Israel and all of these things that emphasize sort of... Ernest goes to Israel. Exactly. Ernest goes to Israel. It was my favorite movie. All of these things that are about sort of being a Jew outside of Israel. And all of these things that, even if you're not specifically in America, theoretically, someone who is more more strictly Jewish might be able to relate to. And obviously that is transferable to any diasporic community that, uh, you know, are people who had to leave Iran because the Islamic Republic took over and everything. It just it's present in a lot of Iranian media, basically. Mm-hmm. There are people who were uh, who are whose history is Iranian. Now, there is some interesting thought though about how this longing for home isn't tied to diaspora specifically, but rather just part of a sort of postmodern attempt to self-actualize. And that the feeling of being caught between, say, ethnicity and nationality is simply one of a thousand in-between spaces like gender, age, and class where the artistic output is more simply ascribed to emancipation through storytelling. There's a famous essay from Virginia Woolf in which she says, quote, a woman must have money and a room of her own if she is to write fiction. And she is describing exactly that emancipation. And I think that what makes a a girl walks home alone at night so interesting is that it does function as sort of a cry of freedom against the imposed will of both local community and nation at large. This movie is absolutely I mean, even just as as a movie, as one of uh, as one of just the thousands and thousands of films out there, this movie is absolutely making a statement of existence I am, this is my thing, this is something different, no one is doing this, and to think about the roots of where that's coming from, um, and whether the identity is tied to that loss uh, of, of homeland and, and culture, or whether it is simply just an establishment of new, and like, look, this is who I am, that's a part of it, but it's not about that, this is just, this is my place now, this is where I am, this is my thing, it, it's it, it doesn't it doesn't even matter because it does both so well um and and it is it's just like this isn't like coming into a room quietly this is kicking in the doors and like being announced yeah it's kind of crazy that that theme is even like it, it's so it's pres it's so present in the in the movie but it doesn't feel like you're it's being called attention to in any kind of yeah. specific way like it just kind of blends right together with the story which speaks to like the craft of it that's exactly it. And that's what's so beautiful about this movie. Like the first thought I had about it was there are a lot of movies that'll do weird for weird sake. Like they just want you scratching your head and saying, what's that about? Everything here that was weird also felt like it was, it, it wasn't weird for weird sake that there was, there was something, some symbology, some 
theme, some motif, some meaning to every little choice they made in this. And, and it just like, but, but, but Briggs to your point, it never felt spoon fed and it never felt ham fisted. It just felt like they, they put just enough of everything on the screen for, for it to be a functional, fully operating thing. Mm -hmm. Um, there, there was no excess. I totally agree. And I think that part of what's so interesting about this movie and what plays into that is that a lot of the recognize, like the people, like the, the Iranian women who have been getting recognition, uh, oftentimes it is with memoirs and autobiographical works. And this breaks that trend by being narrative fiction, Mm -hmm. but still manages to raise interesting questions about those same themes. And the fact that it is so blended into the story makes it kind of fascinating that it does almost still manage to feel autobiographical and pull in some of those same elements while being a narrative fiction work. It beautifully walks that line because it does. It, it, there are parts about the skateboarding vampire romance movie that feel autobiographical. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. It does. It feels like the the stuff that's going on, it just exists in this world and the movie is being like it is. They're they're just shooting this stuff happening in real time and it's just this this world already exists. It, it's it's crazy yeah. how they were able to do that. I couldn't. <laughs> and, and, and a shout out because we're, we're we're definitely talking about the titular girl a lot. Every other actor in this, and it's a very small cast. Every single one of them was amazing. The mm-hmm. the the prostitute, just just like I loved her, and I, I was so sad about her life. The little boy, the father, who you may recognize from such things as The Big Lebowski or How I Met Your Mother. I just an amazing cast. Oh, do you know him from other? I have it written down here. Do you guys know him from another thing besides those two things? Because I didn't think you're right. I didn't think you're Oh, Reeds did his research. <laughs> oh, the tables have turned. I know something you guys don't. Wow, know. what's he in? What's maybe he in? that one. Was it Good Girls? Entourage. He was in Good Girls. Maybe that one episode of Entourage where Finny Chase buys a Rolls Royce. Remember that? Wow, wow. I don't remember that specifically, but I did watch all of Entourage. Sells him the Rolls Royce. <laughs> did not watch the movie. Bro, I watched the whole Entourage. I don't remember that at all, bro. Wow. Was that when Vinny Chase was filming Aquaman? I think it's when Vinny Chase was filming that Medellin movie. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Uh, <laughs> Who was he in Entourage? He was the guy. He was in one episode. He was worked at the Rolls Royce dealership. Uh, all right, work. And I look, looked at him. I'm like, that's the guy from Entourage in the Rolls Royce episode. And I'm like, wow, wow guys, it is him. If, if you need any, if you need any pop culture knowledge on mm-hmm. How I Met Your Mother. Or Entourage. Reeves is your guy. That's right. That's right. There you go. I'm like, I know I know George and JP's ass is not gonna know this. I have. have (laughs) (laughs) He scooped us. He scooped us big time. So the movie creates a liminal space in Bad City, which is where it takes place. Like I said, it's a fictional city. It's a sort of a disorienting amalgamation of the specific and the general. Like Reeves said, further enhanced by the decision to shoot in black and white, which distorts your ability to tell day from night Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, It's just uh, great. It just looks incredible. It does. The light, it just looks like it was only shot using the natural light, which is so cool Mm -hmm. to me. Especially like the shots of like inside that the the trailer that they live Mm -hmm. in. And uh, like the the outside shots of like the the industrial part. It's so cool. So cool. Yeah. 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 Distortion is, in fact, the name of the game, though, for this movie, emphasized by the drug use within. Uh, our male lead, Arash, played by Arash Mirandi, 
has a father who is constantly numbing himself to the grief of a lost wife with heroin, and he himself takes ecstasy before discovering the girl. And the drug use creates a kind of nebulous objectivity for the viewer that I think is interesting. Like JP said, it does make you feel like, well, what if none of this is really happening? What if the supernatural stuff, I mean, is not really going on? But it also creates a nebulous objectivity for the characters, too, where reality melds with fantasy. You know, you see Arash dressed as a vampire while meeting a real vampire. Mm -hmm. Yep. It, it kind of underscores the tension of presentation and objective experience. Mm -hmm. You know, they talk about how you don't know me, you don't know the bad things I've done. Right. And there's a question of like, you know, I talk about it all the time. One of my favorite movies is Solaris. Yes. And basically the moral of that story is how can you possibly love me? You can't even know me. Mm. It's it is literally impossible. I can barely know it, myself. This is this is this is one of my favorite points in the movie, for at least from my interpretation. The male characters, for the most part, cannot see the female characters as as who they are, as people. So the the drug dealer, he just treats the the, the sex worker however he wants. He does not see her as the person that she is. And meanwhile, the first time the girl sits down with, with the sex worker. She sees her immediately mm -hmm. and gets her immediately. I've been watching you here, the things I know about you and your happiness. Mm -hmm. And, and the, 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 most, the, the way it really crystallizes is when the father is going through withdrawal and then taking drugs again. And he thinks that the cat is his dead wife. And he sees the pictures of his dead wife and he gets angry at them and he smashes them. He can't see her he the, the, the men cannot see the women in this the, but the flip side is uh, our, our main male character he he's high on ecstasy and you worry that like well maybe he isn't seeing her but after they first meet then he goes back he did see her he saw her as as something different and i think that's the whole appeal between the two characters is that they they do see each other in a world where men and women have so much tr like the men really have so much trouble seeing the women as 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 people and and recognizing their individuality. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I think the, I don't know the scene where she where, where she kind of intimidates the child. I think sure. that's the one where it's like because just to, I think they do touch on her being a monster a little bit, like with that scene alone, because it's not so like he's just a kid. You know what I mean? Like right. she's the one that's the the. the the more threatening figure, I guess, if you were to just zoom out on it right, without knowing, dynamic. yeah, without knowing she's a vampire. So I, th I like how they kind of, they, they blend that into, because, you know, I'm not going to like kind of pee my pants a little during that scene. It was very sure. scary. It was like, very and scary. And she was really, she was really mean to him. I, yeah. my thought was after the Get fact, in the, in the moment, Get him on the right was, path. <laughs> well, that's what it was. I, 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 in, in the moment I was like, well, that was a little too much. But then if, if, if you buy into what I'm saying, because of whatever her unexplored past is, she's been hurt by men repeatedly. Right. And she's trying to be like, look, I can see you little twerp. Yeah. I know exactly who you are. You're not a good person. And that's the arc that the character's on mm -hmm. because she ultimately is able to find a man that she does trust, that she does is willing to take a chance. Um, but yeah, that, that with the kid, it really was. It made her villainous. It made her like... Okay, I was I was all for I'm pro killing rapey drug dealers, but I'm not about bullying little kids. 
I think well, I I honestly am going to push back on this a little <laughs> bit because I don't think that it made her villainous. I think that she is clearly. I mean, look, maybe it's not her place, but this kid is begging for money. We've never seen his parents around. She's trying to set him on the right path, and we've seen the negative element in this town. Um, I think that she's doing it for his own good, and she doesn't actually hurt him. She just gives him a little scare. Uh, I, I don't... Well, it's a tough, tough thing to say, but tell I, I don't think she did anything wrong. Saying she's not, well, even, I, I, saying she's not even a little. I mean, tell that to the 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 piss soaked carpet that's on my floor right now. Hey from man, after I watch that, peeing your pants <laughs> is cool. <laughs> yeah, mild data. It was super yep. scary to me. That's what I'm saying, and yeah. I, it gave you spook. It's not as spooky as like skeletons coming out of somebody's body while they're oh. recording a podcast, but right. you know, sure, pretty spooky. But it's, it's a, especially. Compared to the rest of the movie, yes, it feels very sudden, mm-hmm. which is good. I like. Yeah, it. but again, and again, I think I was just looking for a justification for it, and I, I, I still, I think it still brings me back to like she's, she's tired of men, boys and men, right. like they're, they're rotten and awful. She sees the man he will become. Mm-hmm. She knows yeah. the city, she, bad city, yeah. bad city, baby. And this, this tension between presentation and objective experience does extend to bad city at large which I said is not really Iran, nor really in the West, because it's meant to appear as Iran. And from a thematic perspective, it is the most direct representation of that diaspora. And it it does reinforce the questioning of if diaspora is what's causing the issues so often ascribed to it, when they flee it, ultimately. They, They leave Bad City at the end. And feeling a lack of fixed meaning, feeling detached and isolated from your surroundings may well be because of the socioeconomic pressures like class and gender that exile them within society and not externally from society, uh, as like as opposed to leaving a nation. You know, you can see this in Arash's poverty, his father's addiction, and the girl's vampirism mm-hmm. as just like allegorical isolation. Each of these is a symptom of a larger emotional and material force, whether it's unexplored trauma in your background, whether it is the emotional uh, toll that the death of your wife takes, mm-hmm. whether it is having to care for your for your drug-addicted father. You know, these yeah. are, are social pressures that are not coming from having left a nation, but they are still reflecting this crisis of identity you see that with a rash too when he immediately like when he when he realizes the drug dealer's dead like assumes his identity almost take it over yeah reads reads that was exactly my point i I think that in the vein of that theme i think that what you're seeing is people who have to come to the conclusion that staying as a part of this is Mm -hmm. destroying me it's making me into this. Right. Yeah. And, and therefore I need to leave. And, and in that, in that vein, it thematically perfectly fits. One of the things that you see uh, imagery of the most in this movie are oil derricks dr- drilling, drilling for oil, which is essentially a vampire sucking the blood out of the earth. And yep. that's, but it's also presented as like, this is modernization. This is, this this imagery is meant to show you like where they are and the culture that they're mm-hmm. in is part of like sucking the life out of things. Oh, that's so good. Oh, so fucking that's good. So man. fucking good. This movie's so good, man. guys. It's so good. <laughs> man. And belonging to a diasporic community is kind of a paradoxical vampire itself. Because all of the descriptions of being exiled are of stasis of simultaneous postponement and finality. 
you're never feeling rooted because you're always looking backwards, mm. but you're also feeling like there's no way back. And in that way, community members do have this sense of belonging together, but it can be that barrier to self-actualization, which brings us right back to emancipation through storytelling, wow. baby. Baby. Yeah. Well, it's that's also, that's fascinating. The characters, uh, every one of the non-two main characters, or at the very least, the sex worker who she hasn't had children. She's not doing anything to move her life forward. And what they get, the point they make about her is that she just feels like she's doing the same things every day and there's nothing she thinks about wanting or doing. Right. Like it really, that really heavily plays into it. The, the, the father who is addicted to heroin and wants to quit, but also doesn't and doesn't take any efforts to actually quit it. In fact, starts mm -hmm. to spread it to other people. Like when he injects the sex worker, which by the way, Ooh. I've never been angry at a character in my life than in that moment. It was really grim. Yeah, it was grim rough. It was yeah. Awful. But but it is. It's it's almost just the uh I don't say this just because I'm from Maryland, I think it's a perfect metaphor. But it's the uh the crabs in the bushel, and if one tries to escape, the other ones pull them back down. There you go. That feeds into this exact idea of like uh, that that not moving forward, but still stuck in a place where you're you can't go back, but you constantly think about it. And I think that that's really the rest of the characters that's what we're we're looking at that's the setting yeah exactly george for um just my midwest people that'll be listening uh the the crab reference jp just made for east coast people mm -hmm. you could just chop that up and add in hot dogs i was gonna say <laughs> hot dogs hot dogs just pulling each other back into the yes. hot dog bun. and then yeah i remember going to portillo's and seeing them pull out the bushel of hot dogs and you see the hot dogs pulling each other back. Down. Beautiful. Right. It's beautiful. It's yeah, it's glorious. If you haven't seen nature's, live hot dogs crazy, interacting man. with one another, yeah, it's crazy. Just a couple. I remember <laughs> seeing the live hot dog and that let's all go to the lobby. I can't, I can't believe nobody broke there. That was really funny. I was so close. Do you remember that let's all go to the lobby uh, Fleischer Brothers? The hot dog. Yes. The popcorn, the and soda. The, the living the hot techies. dog does tricks. The living hot he, he's like the Wait, what? The living hot dog. Are you does thinking tricks. of Are you, I think you're thinking of Poochie. <laughs> the living oh, hot dog right. does tricks. <laughs> that sounds like a code. Yeah, it does. <laughs> oh, the living hot dog does does tricks. I can't even say it. No, he um he's he's like in a carnival setting, and the guy is like cracking a whip, and the living hot dog is doing flips, or it's the bun. The bun is the, is doing the that, living bun. He, he jumps. Into the bun. Oh, okay. I just like the... the I don't think I went dog. to the same movie theaters as you, George. I feel, I mean, like, a, that I feel like I'm having a, a fever a, dream Yeah, right it sounds now. like a fever dream. Or maybe a shroom nah, man, it's, it's, trip. Wow, I'm stuck yeah, in they, like, they march. They march. I don't, I don't remember where they're going, but they're going somewhere that's, and they're marching towards it. Also I, can't, I can't recall. Uh -huh. That's and then, also happening. Are you thinking about the AMC theaters where you ride like a roller coaster and there's like a big popcorn pops over here and then you go past a soda and you can hear the this the the, the bubble? Cinemark. I don't think that's bro, is it. Is it Cinemark? Living hot dog, bro. Jumps oh, into the happy bun. About that. Look, that's real. Oh, bro, you talking about you talking about the hot dog and the buns doing tricks and? Yes. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to find it and I'm going to put it in the show notes for this episode. Yeah. And everyone no, will know when you that post, I'm When you right. post the episode, then the first reply is going to be the video. <laughs> yes. And everyone will see. <laughs> yeah. Let's all go right. to the lobby and do some sick bun tricks. Here's a living hot dog. Do you see? Do you see? Click. <laughs> Here's a skateboarding vampire. Do, do you, you see? see? Click. <laughs> 
Oh, Indiegogo funded the feature film after her successful short appealed to 290 backers, bringing in just under $57,000 with perks like name a street in Bad City. Anna said, quote, okay, that's awesome. Your- that's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. She said, quote, getting your first feature financed is really tough. You're asking for money and people are looking for reasons to give you the money. Even with a great script, people are trying to reduce their risk, genre, talents, pre-sale, incentives, etc. It's funny because we still had much more commercially viable projects we were developing, but you're still asking people to give you money. And the fact that you haven't made a feature before is the biggest roadblock. So we decided to go out and make a film, to make something with what we had and not rely on others to make a film. We didn't want to wait. We wanted full control to use the resources we had, use stuff within reach. We knew the locations. We knew all the actors. We had the T-Bird, the car. That car's a beaut. It is. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And crowdfunding is a part of that. It's a platform to get the people who believe in you to come together and support your project and your dreams. No matter how big or small, sure, fame and branding can help reach masses, but we didn't think of it that way. We didn't have a gadget or a pre-existing fan base to bank on. We wanted to tell the people who knew what we were doing and how they could support us. That's how we used crowdfunding. Everything else was gravy. Wow. There you go. That's crazy. And the fact that they just did it. so awesome. Directing without borders, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I read something, too, where she said she makes uh, movies to to make friends. Where the the cast and the crew, everyone is super passionate and on a vision quest to make the movie. I think that's awesome. Oh, yeah. I watched Vision Quest. It's a bad movie. <laughs> Sorry, Nate. <laughs> Take that, Nate. Take that, Nate. <laughs> Dumbass. And it was a success. It made $628,000 at the box office and Damn. got plenty of critical love as well, in addition to being named the best horror movie ever made mm-hmm. right damn here. Wow. The highest of honors. That's so awesome. I'd love to hear that. I, I know that uh, uh, our, our lead actor and uh, the director have worked on uh, at least one or two other projects together. But you just love to see someone able to make their 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 actual passion project, not not a vanity thing, but just like they got the funding and they made it happen. I fucking love that. It's it's Sam Raimi with Evil Dead, Robert Rodriguez when he first did El Mariachi. Like you just make it happen, and like you use whatever budget you can, and you make the movie you want to make, and it launches some people. Yeah, you know Elijah Wood's uh, company, Specter Vision, is uh, involved in that yes. as well, which. Yes, I was so excited. I saw his name on the screen. Yep, yep. They're involved in the uh, distribution and production aspect of that uh, that side of things. So Very cool. God bless. I love that he's doing these weird little movies. Bless up. Yeah. This movie did big numbers in Mordor, for the record. <laughs> sure did. They had to carry it all the way there. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Got him. Got Stuck him. to land. Yeah, that, that, Why didn't they just ride the birds the whole way there, George? That's okay, we don't birds. have to get into this, but there is, an, there is a reason. There are several reasons, in fact. All right, you know what? Let's actually get into it. First of all, they're not pack animals, right. all right? They're they are noble creatures. You don't just say they're hey. very good. They're, they're they're pretty good eagles. It's not a fucking taxi cab, yeah, bro. Not a fucking taxi cab, bro. <laughs> All right, go birds. Not a taxi cab. There's two great eagles. The one in Mordor and Donovan McNabb. <laughs> right. On top of that, the whole point of the mission is that they're being sneaky. Okay. You got mm. this giant ass flame eye looking at everything. It's a lot easier. To see a bunch of big ass eagles flying at you 
than it is to see a bunch of tiny little hobbits. Oh, they're tiny. That's true. They're so Good. tiny. All right. I'm going to admit it. You won me over. And by yes. won me over, I mean the character I was playing that was being facetious about this. Yes. You totally won him over, too. Yes. <laughs> I did it. So Elijah Wood helped to distribute this film, which is crazy awesome. Yeah. I like him so much as a person. I still just always think of him as the little kid in, in Back to the Future Part 2. That game's for babies. He's the guy who says that. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. I thought you were going to go with like Radio Flyer or uh, Sin City or Avalon. When I mean, yeah, yes, he was also in Sin City. That's true. Mar- yeah, that's, look, he's great in Sin City. Yeah. But when Marty McFly goes to the diner, and he's like, "Oh, you still got the arcade game in here?" And the and the little kids like, "You use your hands. That game's for babies." <laughs> and that's that's little Elijah Wood. That's a Hobbit, right? Fucking there. The Hobbit. That's really good to know. That's really good to know. So the Hobbit actually takes place in the future, not right. in the past. Because they're going right. back to the future, so it's like oh, 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 we're going to return to the future. Yes, Middle Earth. Oh. It's actually a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. No, so it's like that's another. They thing. just have different technology. Like it's a different pace, you know. That makes, that, that makes Does that make sense? Does that make sense? That makes good sense. Anyway, did you guys watch all of Andor yet? It's really good. <laughs> I will never watch a Star Wars television show, and you can take that to the fucking bank. Wow. I did take it to the bank, and they had no idea what to do with it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Here's a slip that says George won't watch a Star Wars show. <laughs> and like, okay. George, that is the weirdest hill to die on, seriously. And there's some good Star Wars show. I don't like Star Wars in general. You can't deposit this. The idea of not only watching Star Wars media, but then also watching a television show of it is just abhorrent to every fight. Oh, you don't. Yeah, you don't like television shows anyway. That's true. Reese, Reese, Reese. I have another co-host lined up for for Pluto. (laughs) Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I think he can hear us. So, George. You guys, your audio cut no, out. If I, use this voice, if I use this voice, you can't hear me. Oh, that's nice. Okay, cool. Yes. <laughs> I'm like a dog. I like I, You talk at certain megahertz, and I just only... don't hear it anymore. <laughs> just... <laughs> oh, you're like a dog? That explains all the bones. Wow. Oh, fuck, okay. dude. This requires and a wait, little... What the audience doesn't understand... This is this is an audio medium for all y'all at home, so you're just like a little bit spooked out. But let me tell you that not only does George have a skeleton jumping out of his body on the side, but then in the middle he's got a gosh darn ghost. That's true. I'm really going overboard right now in terms of. He's also assless because JP just got his ass. Damn. This is also true. Oh, this is true. Um, I don't even know how George. I will describe my outfit for the listeners. I am wearing. A shirt in which Michael Myers is dressed up as Bob the Ghost, the murderer. You know, you folks. know the murderer, Michael the murderer. Myers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you've seen Michael Myers the Thirteenth. Yes, Michael mm-hmm. Myers the Thirteenth on Halloween. He is mm-hmm. dressed up as Bob the Ghost. He's wearing some fun glasses, and also, if you look, he uh, it actually ends in a knife there. Oh, I do. Oh, that's awesome. That's fun. It also, at first glance, it just looks like you've got like a cravat or something on. <laughs> like, like you look like you're one of the vampires <laughs> from uh, What We Do in Shadows. <laughs> Oh, I meant to say that earlier. We were talking about like distortion of, of what you're seeing, and I gotta say that 
at certain times when our main guy was dressed as a vampire, I kept thinking that he was Taika Waititi in oh. What We Do in Shadows. <laughs> He did have a similar look to him. <laughs> the collar is so yeah. high. He's got the curly hair. Yeah. He's got the eyeshadow yeah. on. Oh, that's great. It's pretty close. Pretty close. Also, the other thing that I'm wearing, the Bones thing that that JP was referencing, is I'm wearing a Creepy Co. cardigan that is half Bones, half regular sweater. And Creepy Co., this is incredibly comfortable. So if you want to send me free stuff, I will happily take it. Nice. I'm wearing Creepy Co. and this is the most comfortable thing I've ever worn. And I, I honestly, I'm going to be telling everybody, all my loved ones, all my friends, okay. Okay. I've got a hit. I'm shutting this down. I'm shutting this down. I'm going to be advertising. You guys, everybody should get Creepy Co. Creepy I'm Co. I'm shutting this down it's what you know. because uh, if anyone is going to shamelessly sell out, it's going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cool ass. It's a cool. It's a fun sweater. I like it a lot, and I got a lot of compliments on it. So. Take that for what it's worth. A lot. There you go. That's why I said it. <laughs> Let's get into the movie. You start off with Arash, a smoldering James Dean type, sneakily cat burgling someone in the truest sense of the word, as in he burgles them of their cat. Mm-hmm. The good cat. That cat is my favorite character. Pretty in the great movie. cat. And he walks home through the ghost town over the opening credits, which I love and leads to one of my all time fave title cards. It just fucking looks badass over that valley mm-hmm. of corpses. Oh my god, it's so cool. That's what makes the it feel like a western. The valley of corpses is so creepy, mm-hmm. and they never address it. It's just Bad City has just a gulch where you can just dump. That's bodies. how blasé right. Bad Town is about death and violence, baby. Arash doesn't look at it. It's loaded with body. The sound distorts, and the camera gets funky. It's cool stuff. Mm-hmm. This is just any other day for them. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Arash gets into his T-Bird, a car he worked 2,191 days to afford, which he tells the young man, begging him for money, and he heads home to his heroin-addicted father. For some reason, the shooting up between the toes was really disturbing to me. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I've ever seen that happen. And that, yeah, that got me, too. You're hanging like, out with oh, a lot God. of people injecting was- heroin? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I've never TV, seen it in real life. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, it, that was it was so disturbing. It was like a I think it was the only moment in the movie where I had to look away. I don't want to see someone mm-hmm. injecting heroin in between their toes. Dude, needles are just needles are gross. It's a gross idea. Yeah. Putting something in it is <laughs> the toes. Yeah. No, this is uh, actually a drug PSA in disguise. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, don't do don't drugs. Do we won't think Stick you're cool. <laughs> Maybe a little ecstasy. He doesn't. Yes, he's fine on ecstasy in this. Yeah, it seems to work out yes, okay. For I'm here to talk to you about drugs. Don't do drugs. Just get yourself a Bible and invest in any kind of cryptocurrency you uh-oh, can. Uh-oh, uh-oh. NFTs are a great deal. FTX seems to be doing really well. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard much about it. Yeah. <laughs> the local pimp is also the drug dealer, and they're in serious debt to him, despite Arash's efforts to keep up with the payments. He's also bitter about the dealer getting his dad hooked, even more so when the dealer takes the car as payment. My man does a classic wall punch. Mm, a brick wall punch really hard twice. Twice. That's, That's it. Really you do it me. once. He got away with <laughs> it the first time. Him, please don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> like your hand had to have broken after that. the first one. Well, no, he got away with it the first time, and then he got uh, cocky. And he uh, said, I'm going in for wall punch number two. That's another thing, like back to back with the heroin toes and this. Mm-hmm. Two things that I would, yeah, it was tough to watch. Yeah. 
Guys, in one of the seasons of Supernatural, Jared Padalecki actually broke his arm in a stunt, and then they had to have him in a cast for the rest of the season and come up with plot reasons why he was in a cast. Wow. That's creative writing wow. right there. How about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a scene later on that Jimmy <laughs> talked about, <laughs> which we will also discuss more in detail, I'm sure, but there's a moment where a finger is a clear phallic image, and applying that to this scene... It's easy to see this hand injury as him feeling emasculated. Mm. And we're going to jump in, George, and say there's two scenes because first he's with the sex worker and he he puts his finger on it. Right. It's just his classic seduction. Right, right, right. But, but it, it, is, it is absolutely like the phallic finger mm-hmm. thing happens both with the sex worker and then we get the, right. like the, the reversal, the, the redo yeah. with the girl. Right. Arash is working as a gardener on the rich side of town, and he's called into the house of a wealthy client who is talking about an upcoming costume party so that he can fix her TV. When he asks her to leave so that he can work, she laughs at the idea of their being alone in the room together being inappropriate. And again, that sort of brings that middle third area thing into into being where it's like, well, it's set in Iran, but it's it's like modern Iran where they're mm-hmm. not as concerned with following every single rule that the morality police or whatever are are interested in enforcing and it, 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 that character is so interesting because she represents that like she's from a family that bought into whatever version of corruption and and making money and so the rules don't apply to her like none of the rules apply to her and that, that she represents that if if our main characters are struggling with like coming to terms with with this identity of like where you're from that you can't go back to or where you're going that character represents like this is the person who is raised in the corruption this is what they're like mm-hmm. well, i didn't think they 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 do so like it establishes the class structure in this movie like right away like within like you know like a minute not even not even a lot of screen time which i think they, this movie just does so well mm. where like i said earlier the, the hit on the themes you know, like it just—it's seamless. Yes, and I talked about earlier how it's possible that this is more a, a social issue that is mm-hmm. causing this distress and and this uh, sort of feeling aimless. And this woman never feels anything less than thrilled with her life, you know. And she is avoiding those social issues. She has 100%. money. She has the money to take care of herself. She's taking party drugs instead of mm-hmm. like having a father hooked on heroin. Yeah. It's it's just kind of truly a representational juxtaposition. Yes. Well, it's, and and she there's there's the 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 scene where she's not only buying ecstasy from him but or not buying, getting ecstasy from him, convincing him to give it to her for free. But then also makes him crazy. Mm-hmm. I, right, but also, like, I mean, that, again, is, like, the power dynamic and the class struggle. Mm-hmm. Right, he wants to impress he also, them, yeah. And he's also seduced by her forcing him to take it as well. Yeah. He doesn't want to. He says no. Right. But in the end, like, that's the corruption of, of exactly that character and what she represents and what they're doing to our main character. Yep. Although, I will say, he is conflicted, but does steal some diamond earrings from her here. So there you mm-hmm. go. It's true. She deserved it. Kind of a... Yeah. Look, who says no? Who says no? <laughs> right. We were right there. Yeah. The pimp is showing off his new car to his uh, employee, we'll say, named Ati, 
and he's pressuring her about her age and then, yeah, pawing at her mouth, which after hesitating, she does suck his finger. And then she starts to go down on him for real. And someone starts to watch. We don't we don't see really who it is, but obviously we know that it's the girl. And when he feels their presence, he turns with a start and there's nobody and he's freaked out. He literally throws the sex worker out of the car and refuses to give her her cut, saying that she's yep. light and a hag before driving yep. off. First of all, a lot of great close ups here. But then in addition to that, the idea of attacking not only her externality, her looks and saying you're old, you're past your prime. But then in addition to that, oh, you're not even good at what I've forced you into. Right. You're light. You're not. E- you can't even do this truly like just cutting her down at every at like the at the basis level yeah yeah very this, cruel this is just the the very casual normalized abuse of women mm-hmm. i mean it, it's just he's so awful to her and I, I i think she just comes out as one of the, the 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 most sympathetic and wonderful characters and she's just the actor plays it so well she plays the character in a very strong front deep hurt way she does it so well and like this scene was just brutal yeah. it just it immediately it, it immediately endears you to hating the drug dealer it was brutal but it was also like it it looked not like the content what was on the screen but the, the way it was like shot through the rear window of the car yeah i thought oh, that yeah. was cool as hell like I her watching it, it was- yeah it was, exactly it was, it was voyeuristic yes. yes it was her watching things going on yeah. yes the girl emerges from a shop and she walks home looking very normal. She dances in her room to an absolute banger song. I should say the soundtrack rips. I listen to yeah. it frequently. So amazing. Yeah. George, did you notice did you notice any of the posters behind her? So I didn't write them down, but I did clock them. Why don't you why don't you, why don't you go ahead and, and tell us what they are? Well, the, the, the two that I really loved, one was Robin um, who you may know is still an electronic uh, dance music artist. Uh, she's been doing her shit for 30-plus years. The Phillies do Dancing on My Own all the time. Oh, yeah. All right. I mean, it's a good song. Um, and then there was also a Michael Jackson Thriller album cover. There you go. Back there. But this, And that was why I was, I was really feeling like this is why it's time lost. Like, it's yeah. time locked. Mm-hmm. Like, this is – the music she listens to primarily is heavily influenced by, like, 80s synth pop or like proto emo like like she's listening to shit that i love even though i didn't recognize a lot of it it was also like this is my jam yeah yeah, yeah. but she's i mean so like and it sets that scene of like she's obsessed with music and, and with with that version of pop culture right that's her way of expressing herself mm-hmm also he just humanizes her in a way that like this is you know this like again you know a, a normal like just an everyday kind of person listens to music, you know. She danced the way I dance in my kitchen when exactly. I'm cooking and, and making like like and listening to music. Like she, it felt very real, and it also felt like I can't speak to the actor or the, or what really went on on set, but it felt like this character is listening to this song and loving this song, yeah. and it really draws you in. Absolutely, yeah. I also love you know they talk about how the veil is like her superhero outfit. And that, like, she puts it on to go out and fight crime. And you can kind of see that here, where she, like, puts on her war paint, basically. Like, she Mm -hmm. puts on the makeup and everything. But the difference between her when she's there and dancing versus the person she is when she's out there vigilanteing is a really interesting difference. 
And she does go out there to lure the pimp who's out for a stroll. And she's silent, but he just says, come on. And he takes her to his apartment. I, I do want to, you touched on something really, really fascinating and important in this movie, though, which is the, that dichotomy, the person that she is when she's alone in her, in her apartment is someone who clearly is like passionate and, and full of like emotions and feelings. And then when she's out in the world and she's wearing her, her veil, she's cold. She doesn't say a single word. She's literally and veiled. Damn. Wow. Paul. She is. But it is, it's, it's a thing that like saying it makes it sound so like smack you in the face. But it's not something that you are smacked in the face with. You just are like learning about this character and you see both sides of her. But it is that she puts on her war paint. And and the later thing that happens is she's in the bath or when our, our main guy is with her, she doesn't have the makeup on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it just is really – it's great stuff. She, Sheila Van just really fucking knocks this role so far out of the she park. She really does. Yep. The guy's apartment. She goes after the – Yes, it's it's what you might expect. There uh-huh. is an aquarium, stuffed trophy animals, a painting of a tiger, a blanket painting of a tiger, is the best. A blanket of a tiger, <laughs> plus a blanket of a leopard. And I want to clarify and say, not a leopard skin and tiger skin blanket, just their well images on a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> Look like beach towels. Yeah, it really made me laugh. I was like, yeah. this is exactly okay, what this guy. That's what this guy would love. The <laughs> terrible. This guy's a terrible host mm-hmm. too. I mean, he just immediately. Oh, he offered her a line. He, Not he gets, until after he does a mountain of it himself. Right. Yeah. He gets true, home. He immediately, immediately turns on the club music, <laughs> like without even without skipping a beat, and then yeah. does a bunch of cocaine, yeah. and then lifts weights. Lifts weights like, at her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And this okay, and this is where I was talking about doing it for you, honey. Genre. This movie is a comedy because this there's there are a lot of scenes in it that are funny, but this scene was hysterical. Yeah. He starts lifting weights and then he starts doing like what he thinks is a sexy dance at yeah. her. Uh, what do you mean? What not you the this? first unsexy not the first unsexy dance in this. We'll get to it, but the, the, I had some belly laughs at some of the dancing in this movie. Mm-hmm. Really funny, and he does the tried and true method of pawing at her face to, to yes. seduce her. <laughs> it's always a, it's a surefire way. It's worked a hundred percent of the time so far. Jesus, Jesus! I I knew exactly what was coming in this yeah. scene, and I couldn't wait for it. I was great. so excited for everything that happened. I, I, great Fang reveal. Oh yeah. First off, yes, and subtle, like it, yeah. and, and just small, and they don't mm-hmm. highlight them hardly ever in the movie. Yeah, it's also it just felt really like a Universal monster movie in that moment when she like lifts her face. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this feels like vampire, or not vampire, feels like Frankenstein's bride. And she pricks his finger and then fillets it for a moment before biting it right the hell off. Shit, that is true. Now, George, can I just correct you for one moment? It's actually the bride of Frankenstein's monster. Okay, well, mm-hmm. that is his son. Yeah, he Dr. calls it his son, which means that it would have the family name, and thus he is also Frankenstein. So get off my fucking back, JP. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, oh, so the doctor was his mother. Yes, exactly. Can I okay. operate on okay. the Frankenstein? I, I get it now. He's my <laughs> son. A Frankenstein and his the father Frankenstein. were in a car crash. <laughs> <laughs> 
Two Frankenstein were in a car crash. Have you or a Frankenstein been injured in a car wreck? <laughs> Her lips switch from blood red lipstick to simply blood as she approaches the whimpering pimp. Pause at his what? mouth with the severed finger. Very funny mm. uh, flip of the power dynamic there before mm-hmm. lunging in to rip out his throat. And of course, this is very clearly a symbolic castration. We've already talked about the phallic finger here and mm-hmm. also the dominance subversion by it being put into his mouth before his punishment, especially when you take into account the traditional academic sexual symbolism of a vampire attack being this primitive animal embrace that was pretty fucked up it was it was this was a uh a gruesome a gruesome scene mm-hmm. it was just- i fucking i loved it so much when she put the finger on his face i was just cackling and clapping hey, i'm rooting for this kid yeah. i'm rooting for this lady <laughs> it's hard to differentiate Again, with like the vampire attack, like vampires, they're they're so they're uh, ubiquitous mm-hmm. in in pop culture, and like seeing a vampire attack, I think we you've seen one, you've seen them all until this movie. Wow! Because I feel like they were able to kind of like stand on our own a little bit, and it, sure. it looked gruesome, it looked cool. Like I said, the one hundred percent. Yeah, this is they're they're doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, you think vampires are X, Y, and Z? This is what we we're we're creating a new letter, and we're gonna have Elon Musk name his kid after and we're gonna, it. Okay, vampires are Delta now. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's tattoos I want to mention real before we since he's dead now, we're probably not gonna talk about him anymore. But the neck the, tattoo, the neck tattoo, the neck tattoo, the the front and the back neck tattoo, the the broken heart. <laughs> On sure, the back that's of the great. Neck. He's got Pac-Man eating some I, pellets going down the side of his I neck. Did, yes. I did notice the Pac-Man. And then just the but word let's talk about the best tattoo. sex on the front of his neck mm-hmm. that looked like it was... Right, just like, throat, right across yeah. his Adam's apple, it says sex. It just it looks like it was like written with like a Sharpie on there. It's yeah, it's, it's very appealing. <laughs> very, yeah. <laughs> it's great. All over the board. Reeks, I just want to say that Reeks is out here being like, oh, the fucking uh, tattoo job wasn't great. How much do you think it hurts to get your neck tattooed? I'm sure that dude was jumping like a damn jelly bean. I wonder if it's a real tattoo. That's what it is. He had to get it for the movie. Yeah, <laughs> he had to get. I heard. It, I heard tattoo. that uh, Anna Lily Amirpour actually gave him that tattoo, and he didn't ask <laughs> well, for the, it. No, it was his. The GoFundMe. The GoFundMe didn't afford enough for a makeup person, <laughs> so they were like, "All right, here's 150. Go get the tattoo." One of the perks was, was decide what we tattoo <laughs> on this guy's fucking throat. And like, some move- some jokester thought it'd be if funny to write the- sex <laughs> for seven dollars. You can give this guy as many tattoos as you want. Wow. Why did we put it out to them? <laughs> Why did we let them decide? Why didn't we cap how many people could get this perk? She knows she's like nailing <laughs> making the movie and just overconfident. She's like just thinks she can do tattoos now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can give it. I, I could probably kill this as well. Yeah, no problem. But but that's it. This is why I still like this movie is also a comedy because the yeah. dude has the word sex tattooed across his throat, right. and it is it is funny. You're There's supposed no to see no version it. of it looking badass or cool. It's funny. Doesn't he have pimp mm-hmm. on his forehead as well? He has. I thought he had like 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 a Harry Potter lightning bolt, but over on the side of his forehead. I'm gonna look up this guy real quick. I'll cut this part out. Don't worry. Don't say anything too funny. Okay. <laughs> Baba Booey. Baba Booey. Saeed's face tattoo actually says pimp in Farsi. Wow. Nailed it. I did fucking nail it. I did fucking nail it. And you knew it all along. I did know it all along. And now we're going to come back in and it'll seem like I knew it quickly as well instead of having to double check. You want me to set you up for it? 
Okay, we should all come back in laughing as if whatever you just ended on was really funny. So in three, two, one. <laughs> oh, my God. Unbelievable. That was great. That was oh my great. God, that is oh, great. And, my sides are split. And on but top of that, the tattoo on the side of his head says pimp in Farsi. Holy fuck. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. That's awesome. Thanks. See, it it's what? a comedy, dude. This was a really great natural edit. I'm glad that we did that. Natural <laughs> actors. Yeah. By trade. Yeah. George, I swear to God, if I listen to this episode and you don't use the come back in laughing <laughs> cut, I'm going to be so angry at you. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> really we'll see how I feel cold. in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to George, who's editing. <laughs> she also steals his watch and jewels, which is ice cold. Mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> Love that she robs him. Yeah, that's funny. You never really see vampires like rob people. You know? How do you think they get all that treasure? I guess, yeah, but you just never see it. It's cool you see it. You know I, how Dracula I, has I treasure. Dracula's <laughs> <laughs> got that, that hoard of treasure that he sleeps on. Yeah. I, I this was another moment where I it, like I feel like what they're trying to do is mislead you into thinking that she has bad motivations, bad motives behind what she's doing, and. Then you later learn, like, no, it, it actually it wasn't because she was going and spending this money. Like, she sure. will get to it. But it was it, it, it turns out that that scene and I was like, well, that's sketchy. I mean, I get it. You're desperate. But yeah, like, I was people, also even just like don't steal things. I was just like, well, she got to feed herself somehow. <laughs> right. Vampin don't pay these bills. Daddy. She literally just fed herself. No, she just fed herself. That was all the num nums she needs wow. for the week. Wow. Well, that's her num nums. That's her num nums. While letting herself out, she lets Arash in, who is there to trade the earrings for the car. And when he finds the corpse, he is freaked out, but not so freaked out that he doesn't take his keys and the briefcase full of drugs, money, and a gun. Which mm-hmm. you must admit, uh, for all of this pimp's faults, it was nice of him to leave one starter kit there for him. Right. This is everything you need. <laughs> <laughs> this was the first quest in your RPG. Yeah. Like, very, yeah. Very and now, and now, now you pick a class. You open the chest. Is it a sword? <laughs> is it a wand? Nope. It's drugs. Gun. And it's money. Drugs. Money. <laughs> the third class. Drugs. You chose pimp. <laughs> <laughs> the voicemail message is we hear it in uh, the drug dealer's apartment. It's leave a message hooker and then beep, <laughs> which I thought was very funny. Reeks has it. started saying that to us all the time now. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, and not in phone messages. Like he literally is sending to the group chat of just like, like George will be like, are we recording tonight? And yeah. Reeks is like, check your, check your zoom link. Yeah. Hooker. <laughs> That's his, he does instead of talk to the hand. Cause the face don't want to hear it. He just says, leave a message hooker. Leave a message hooker. But I still show the hand. Yeah. Too. Exactly. So it's like, yeah, leave a message with no, the hand. Too much. Like Reeks. It's really mean. It's starting to hurt my feelings. <laughs> I kind of like I'm, it. I mean, yeah, I know George likes it. I know I'm trying to meet in the middle here. You know, it's host prime. I have to make everybody happy. It's tough to meet you for sure. It is. It is. While he broods at home after taking care of his father, the girl sits in a bath. The thrill of the kill is now gone. Both of them are feeling very isolated. And I did want to say regarding the mild nudity here that it is interesting to me that even the gaze of this movie exists in a tertiary space as well. Because ordinarily, you'd find the pointed, to-be-looked-at, male gaze depiction of women in scenes like these. But, 
On the other hand, and still, I mean, playing with that, Amir Poor has made it a point that she believes it would be, quote, fun to strip the sh- uh, Chador to see what is left after you, quote, peel back the layers. Mm-hmm. And so this then rejects both Iranian sensorial oppression and Western objectification by treating her femininity as a statement of empowerment that we've seen that this is her without the superhero cape on. We've also seen the attempted male dominance in the scenes with the pimp. And so her femininity being used as this statement of empowerment, Amir Poor's description of the badass disguise that she uses, you know, it's more Batman than Batman could ever hope to be. Nice. Wow. I, I, I mean, like, like, not not to dwell on it too much, but I, I think one of the things that was really powerful about that scene is a, nudity for nudity's sake is always bullshit, and and the the idea of the male versus the female or the the no gendered gaze. You're so used to seeing if you're going to do bathtub nudity in a film, it's done from the male gaze, and it's done in a way where there's like, like they're trying to create something sexy and something. Is something like enticing, and this was a scene of a person in a bath. Yeah, right. A, a male or female, it didn't matter. Like this is a person. You don't even the nudity doesn't even start. She's under the water. You see just the top of her head. This is a person who had a hard day and is taking a bath, and the nudity becomes not. It's. It, I mean, I, I get that it's nudity in general, so it's going to be enticing, especially to a Western audience. But at the same time, it's really just presenting like a. You know, baths are just a thing that human beings take, right? And 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 vampire, um, <laughs> vampire indeed, vampire. I, but but it 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 really did, it humanizes the character, and it's presented in a way that is almost like a smack in the face to the kind of exploitative nudity that you would see in a lot of vampire films, especially. Right, and it's probably blurred. Like in terms of we both all said, like it, it, we perceive this at times as like a documentary, and like I think this is one of those scenes that kind of like blurs those lines between like this is a movie or this is a documentary kind of. It's you know it's oh yeah like the not memoir, easy to, like yeah a, like a, a autobiographical kind right. of right yeah that's what right. I meant yes autobiographical I love, I love documentary that. I love that reach yeah. and, and I think that it, it, one of the things that always occurs to me when you have a scene like this after a scene of violence mm-hmm. is that the trope is the rape shower and this was just the opposite of the rape shower she is not crying she is not under the stream she is not hurt she wasn't just violated it's almost the opposite of it in every possible way right. like a, just a real counterpoint to that tired tired trope 100 mm-hmm. percent. well said arash throws the body in the pit and he fills the hole in the drug market as his hand starts to get taken care of correctly now on the road to recovering his masculinity, if you'll continue to follow the metaphor, as he cruises around town in his ride, horns honking on the score. Blaring. Blaring. Unfortunately, his dad is still detoxing and freaking out at home, so he goes to fill the void with sex, but begging for a freebie doesn't hold water for Ati, and across the way, he sees the girl watching him, mirroring his movements until he runs home scared, which, first of all, very funny. But then, yes. in addition to that, also a subversion of how it's usually a man standing there intimidating a woman on the streets at night. Right. Yep. Just the mimicking, too, is just so, it, it's very unsettling. Mm-hmm. Which it's, it's incredibly. And, yeah. and, and and they do it, they do it, like, mime-level worthy. Like, right. they were, they, they, they do a really good job with the physical acting here and the, the, the miming and mimicking 
Um, but it does. It, it's it's that wonderful moment of just like, oh no, he's the one that's out there alone at night and feeling uncomfortable. It's it. I'm rooting for this character. <laughs> <laughs> she continues to stalk the night, coming across that little boy and freaking his ass out. Are you a good boy? Answer me. And he says yes every time she asks, and she impresses the lesson upon him to stay that way by revealing her fangs and saying, I can take your eyes out of your skull and give them to dogs to eat. Till the end of your life, I'll be watching you. Understand? Be a good boy. Look, like I said, you got to set him on the right path young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's it is it seems a little harsh. Comes off a little harsh. Mm-hmm. And it, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to agree with Riggs on this. Yeah, it, you know, just being being. It's a little fine idiot. for us not but, to agree on every single thing. No, it's cool. I mean, that kid I, was I, a I, punk. I give this movie from three pineapples. <laughs> even from even okay, having George. that perspective, like I don't think it takes away from the movie. I think mm-hmm. even like having thinking that in my head, sure. it, like it, the movie needed something like that. She and, can make mistakes. Yeah, she could like be the, overcompensating. It humanizes her. It, it, it humanizes her as a as a Dracula. You know, even, like, yeah, even know. while she's vampiring, she is right. human. Exactly. Well, it, it, and again, I, I think that this gives us the basis of showing that she does have a hero's journey. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 even if, even if, even if you want to say that she did nothing wrong and all children should be s- smacked and screamed at. That's George, what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Nonetheless, I, I think that it is deliberately like showing that there are flaws, that this this is a person who is hurt and therefore hurts people. Mm-hmm. Or as my family likes to say, hurt people, hurt people. <laughs> it's more sure? of it's more of a chant, like yeah. let's do it kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. 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 In his terrified flight, he leaves his skateboard, which the girl takes. And you get this amazing scene of her rolling down the empty street on it, veil flapping in the wind like wings. As I said, Amirpur was the stand-in as the lifelong skater, and boy, said, oh that's so boy, fucking cool. Yeah, it just mm-hmm. fucking looks amazing. It just does. fucking looks so good. It's a great <laughs> shot. It's a great shot, dude. I love the f- the fucking shadow work, dude. Dude, brawl. Okay, dude, dude, dude. Can I be real though? For real, when she starts following the sex worker and like they do like the broad like the real like wide shot and like they just like come across from 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 the left all the way to the right yes dude it's like one of the best shots in the film dude, oh, bro dude, bro so the, the, the miming reminded me of some of those old french films we fucking love you oh remember that, bro? yes dude those fucking mimes absolutely you like like the pink panther marcel marceau is getting in here baby <laughs> Name one other mime. Name a single other mime. I don't have to. I don't have to prove myself to you. <laughs> mime drop. I feel like I did know someone else like talked about on a podcast how they took like one other. They like took a mime class one time. That counts. It counts. Mm-hmm. So I'll say someone I once heard on a podcast talking about taking a single mime course. I bet it was Glenn Howerton. He went to Juilliard. I oh okay nice. it was um it was Gillian Gillian Jacobs yes oh fuck I knew that fuck you're absolutely right I forgot about that yeah, Britta yes. Britta you really Britta that JP <laughs> wow wow meanwhile I am streets ahead streets ahead that's right <laughs> talking about my favorite show I love you guys wildfire it's good it's real good. <laughs> The flickering of the TV casts an amazing light on the scene as Arash 
back at home is being yelled at by his dad about how daddy needs his medicine. <laughs> and he ignores it to make a Dracula costume for the party now that he's a big drug dealer and he's invited too. Yeah. Got the drug he's a guest modder being yeah. drug dealer and That's a costume right. party. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Come on. He looks party great. Is it? He looks great in this Dracula costume. Oh, he does. And again, that's why I compared him to Taiko Waititi, sure. because Taiko Waititi also looks great as a, as a Dracula. Sure. Mm-hmm. The drugs are on him as well, which we said, you know, it's, it is impressive to them, which is clearly the goal. And she does convince him to take some with him or with them. The pill is nothing without you. It needs you. And again, this idea of him wanting any sort of connection, needing to feel that uh, someone is nothing without him even if it's a pill, pulls him in. And this leads to my second favorite scene in the entire film. Oh, yeah, the tripping the, scene? That's fine. The tripping scene is great. Well, the tripping scene and then cutting to reality. Oh, yeah. well, okay. Well, so let's talk about this tripping scene real quick because it is, first of all, some really cool camera work. And it is also funny when one person is just like in a Reagan mask. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I, yeah, I wrote down Re- Reagan mask is one of my notes. But to JP's earlier point about how this woman represents sort of that corruption and uh and the people who are not having to worry about these socio-economic issues that threaten the rest of our our crew here um the idea of them uh, being in league with reagan here that he's actually there and that they uh, it doesn't actually matter when you're rich enough what what the politics are um you know it does work economics exactly it does it does work i think even though you're just like haha reagan mask <laughs> yeah he also doesn't seem to be doing great though and when he tries to smooch her she refuses and somebody comes by and pops some fake fangs in his mouth which again really emphasizes how performative all of this is mm-hmm. now it, he's having these fantasies the the ecstasy mind is seeing beautiful people and like like colors are swirling and everyone's swaying in time to the beat of the music. And it's so gorgeous. And he just sees the, the rich girl and he is so attracted to her and she's so attracted to him. And they're like waving hands at each other. And then the scene cuts to what's really happening. Mm -hmm. And she is like slouched over and kind of swaying back and (laughs) forth. And he has her fingers rubbing up against the sides of her face very clumsily <laughs> and you realize you realize like that, that what he was seeing in ecstasy and what it was happening in real life it is is so divergent and which mm. also plays into what comes a little bit later i laughed out loud we actually it happens like two or three times if you didn't notice it, you got to go back. It is so funny. Yeah. The, the way that they're dancing when they show what's really happening is exactly what happens when people are on drugs and they're dancing. Like, no, you don't look glorious. You, there's no like spotlight on you. You look silly. You're kind what? of like waving what? your arms and, and, and rubbing your face. And, and you are loving that moment. And that's the important thing. But you don't look good. Well, it also... I mean, the fact that, yeah, they are loving it does emphasize that tension that we were talking about between reality and the appearance of things. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. I think it's a bold choice to um, make a tripping scene in black and white. And it's something I've never seen before, because usually those types of scenes are really uh, enhanced Colorful, by yeah. color. Yeah. And, you know, that, but so it really, true. really worked. Like, I didn't think it was going to when I first saw it, but I'm like, this fucking owns. And it's another thing that was... 
enhanced by the black and white. It didn't it didn't detract from it. I swear to God, Reeves, until you said that in my memory of the trippy scenes, it was color. I was seeing them in color, even right. though it was not in color for sure. Whoa. That's insane. <laughs> they did an amazing job with that. What, bro, bro, bro. <laughs> You're right. In my memory bank, too, it's like I'm I think I'm thinking of it in color, which is it's crazy. I see yeah. Ronald Reagan's gray, <laughs> disgusting skin. <laughs> His withering face. Oh, wait, that might it. have just been the black and white that he yeah. was so gray and disgusting like reality. So <laughs> the lines were blurred that, there. Yeah, that's I it. Riggs. That's exactly it. The lines are blurred. Robin oh, thinks. God. Mm. Hey, 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 indeed. No. Both through the whole song. Go through. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Finish. <laughs> Speak on that. <laughs> wow. I can't believe that JP, just like him. JP is interrupting our talk of this great feminist work with rape anthem word lines. <laughs> yeah. Whoever brought up Robin Thicke yeah, should feel ashamed. <laughs> I, brought, I brought up Robin earlier. That was not the Robin I was intending, but. Mm-hmm. Sure wasn't me. <laughs> George. <laughs> Somebody comes by. Yeah, he, they pop the teeth in and he blacks out along with the camera. And when we both fade in, he's walking the streets drunk and probably still pretty high. And he gets distracted by a streetlight staring at it as the girl rolls by on the skateboard. He's in the suburbs or like the suburbs part of Bad City. Mm-hmm. Like, like. He's very much displaced and not where he should be. And I, I thought that that was like they established they establish it very subtly. But like, yes, this is not where he's supposed to be. This is not where he belongs. He's the poor drug dealer. JP, I'm so glad that you mentioned this because oh, you're welcome. Perfect segue because she screeches to the halt. He says that he's lost and she says, oh, it's bad city. And he, and he says, that's good. I live. Th- I live here. But it doesn't look like bad city, does it? It's not familiar. Doesn't feel like home, you could say. Hmm. You could that's, say. That's, and, and, and this was another scene Yo, where you, it was you could like, say. I, and I would. I would say, say and I it. will say. It doesn't feel like home. Thank it doesn't you. feel like home. Thank it doesn't you. feel like home. Nailed it. It doesn't feel Is like it home. It doesn't means- feel like home. It doesn't feel, it doesn't like-, feel like home. <laughs> <laughs> There is a place um, like home. You had it in you all along, Dorothy. <laughs> I'm the Tin Man. That looks like a military base or California. Mm. And then I realized, actually, California mili- uh, California uh, like like uh, communities look a lot like military bases. So. Oh, sure. And I mean, it has that kind of like Arizona tract kind of. Yes, yes, yes. But it, it was it was like like the, the juxtaposition between that and the industrial crumbling dickensian like village that they live in yeah. versus this wonderful little identical cookie cutter neighborhood it just again ah god the tension between yes <laughs> god damn he approaches her and says i'm dracula but don't worry i won't hurt you yep very kind of him to make sure that she knows Yes, and and no, I mean, and again, this gets to the like, like she, he doesn't know it. He's just a person that is just like, oh God, you met a strange man at night. I promise, I'm not going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. Versus, like, she actually that was comforting to her because she does, she isn't trusting of men, mm-hmm. right? 
Yeah. It's also interesting because he is like at his most stripped bare. Right. Kind of, by the drugs. Vulnerable. Yeah. The, the drugs and the emotional rejection that he got. Yeah. He's his most exactly. raw form of himself. Yeah. Yes. So and the fact it's Dracula. That he, yeah. <laughs> right. And it's Dracula. But Dracula can be kind, mm. too. They Dracula. They Drac. No. I, I was going to try and get D- some no. thing going. You got it. Drac. They Dracanula. Oh, fuck. No, no, yes. I don't like it. I don't like it. You keep going. You keep going. You got it. You I'm, got it. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. He notices. Like, I don't care which Dracula. <laughs> he notices the coldness of her hand, and Arash wraps his cloak around her for a nice hug. And it's it's so interesting because, again, this sort of tension is at play because it's an extremely intimate act. But yes. with, with the innocence of drunk, high, mm-hmm. he doesn't. He, it's obviously he doesn't intend anything by it. And, right. and that's and that's what it is: is that he's able to express that he is like his his what could be aggressive actions, which could like like predatory actions, aren't, and that there's something there of like seeing the difference, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like uh, like like it, and it. This gets into the thing though, where he's 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 high. So like, is this just a function of him being high? We get the answer later, but like, they create a really interesting question here because these two show honestly through very little dialogue and mostly through actions, like an immediate trust for one another. Right. But you also it, it's also speaking to the thing where like, what if you're out drinking and you meet somebody and you hit it off? But is that gonna is that going to taint it? Because you were both out drinking, and therefore, like, it's not the same scenario, but I think it's a cold light that of day. Of just, like, yes. Yes. So he wants to sit, but that's a bad spot. So she invites him over. I can't. I have to sit, he says. <laughs> I'm too Who bad. hasn't been there? <laughs> I love how she wheels him over on the, on yes. the, uh, on the skateboard. Oh, it's, it's so cute. A, it's, adorable. it's so cute. Yeah. It's so cute. And, and this again, is where we start having a romance in yeah. rom com. Like they're really cute together. And yeah. again, there is a childishness to it all. Yes. 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 When they yeah. get there, she puts on death by white lies. First off, another absolute banger. Mm-hmm. Rips. Holy yes. Shit. Should I, and let me just add, it should have been cry little children. <laughs> The only possible improvement to this. Movie. Yes. Another note. Another note for the director. We, I've been making. I've been keeping track of them. More skateboarding. Cry little children. Cake yeah. flips. Yeah. Cake flips. Cake flips. But also, this is the scene that JP was referencing earlier. And oh, I'm going to watch it again after we record. Adjust this scene. I. I, I it's so amazing. It, it is. Go ahead, George. One of the best uses of diegetic music I've ever seen. It revives him in a way that is incredible it revives Mm -hmm. him Mm -hmm. and the scene is slow it's intimate it's incredible i truly truly love this scene i think that it is incredible and it's so great how the song reflects that emotion of the scene without them having to talk it's insane yes you get the fear of change you get the fear of being vulnerable which both of them are he is literally vulnerable she is emotionally vulnerable. Seen, like we said, in the way that she's no longer wearing the veil. This is her true self laid bare. And she's conflicted about what to do. There's a moment where you see her 
lift up his head and his neck is so exposed and he does nothing. He has no defensive like reaction to it. And instead of biting his neck, she lays her head on his chest and mm. she listens to his heart and she enjoys the humanity that she no longer has. She, and if she's a vampire, she doesn't have that beating heart. Mm-hmm. And if she's not a vampire, she doesn't have that ability to love. Exactly. She's just resisting the temptation too. Exactly. Yeah. Of the of the exposed neck, which is yeah. Right. To push him away, resisting the temptation to push right. him away to do damage to say exactly. I've been hurt before, so let mm-hmm. me hurt you. And to just to to do the same things that she's always done, which kind of reflects to the um, what's her name, Addie, who mm-hmm. just does the same thing mindless day in and day out, and right. she's choosing to do 100%. something different. I don't want to harp too much on it because I want um, I want everyone to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. I, 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 like, it's like my life's goal now is to get everyone to watch this movie. But the reason I talked about this scene with such, it sounds like overwrought, over the top. I was I moved by this scene. Yeah. And, and part of it is you need to understand, for, for those who haven't seen it, that the entire scene is silent mm-hmm. and well, no they move. There's very little. They, 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 sorry, I'm sorry. There's no dialogue. There's, 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 but there's music. silent. You're right. right. There's, there's music. And the music is, this was not a, a function of them picking the perfect song to go with this. Scene. Right. The, with the, the, the flow of the song, with the, the, the intensity of the song, with the crescendos they're building in the song simultaneously, and they slow down the footage to match it perfectly, but the, the actions that are happening on the screen while you listen to probably, what, three and a half minutes of a song? I mean, it is a long scene, mm-hmm. but it's all just their physicality with each other and everything that, that, that we're talking about here with, like, you... She doesn't say a goddamn word, but you know exactly what it is. You can see the ecstasy he is in just by being touched by her. And and you can see the 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 the, the turmoil she is in. And it's all also like wrapped up in, and this is another genre, and I'm gonna call it a separate genre that this movie is in, which is it's turning the fucking manic man, uh, manic pixie dream girl on its head. Right. And it, it's it's mocking it while at the same time trying to embrace the only part of the manic pixie dream girl thing that was good, which is the idea of falling in love with somebody. That the and idea of like that connection, that like this this seeing how exactly. it revives him, and we've yes. seen that the music is the thing that gets to her as well. Mm-hmm. And so feeling this kindred spirit, and and them both reacting to the song in this powerful way, because for a long time her back is to him. She's just looking at the record player, truly absorbing the music. Mm-hmm. Not just absorbing the music, but she's going through, you know, the emotional journey that she's going through and the fact that she doesn't want to turn around. She doesn't want to embrace him. She, no, if I'm going to turn around, I'm going to feed on him. Like this you the, see yeah. that turmoil without any words. It's, it's, it's honestly, it is, it is the best depiction of the idea of if, if people you could watch people fall in love the moment that they fall in love. This is that scene. It, it's so powerful. And I cannot stress enough that if you have not watched this movie, just watch this one scene. And if you don't want to watch the rest of the movie, I am sorry you have no heart. It is 
beautiful. It is such a gorgeous scene. It is scored perfectly. It is shot perfectly. The, it is acted perfectly through no dialogue. I, I was so impressed. I, I, it was that moment where I'm like, this should have been nominated for fucking like Oscars. Like this movie is so impressive. Mm. It's kind of like rawness and like it, you see in a scene, like you can't, you, you only see in the, like this kind of budget movie, I feel like, or like these like indie movies like that is just, it, it, it was, it was super it, powerful. It was the only, it was the, it, there's not many other words to describe it. It was just the, it was, I'd never heard that song before, but it, it was, Oh, fuck. it's so it, good though right perfect yeah and it fit perfectly and the way they shot it like to your point like they slowed it down for it is beautiful beautiful best yeah. scene in the movie it's incredible yeah it really yeah. is and this expression of outsider joy is reflected in a trans woman dancing euphorically with a balloon love it and as i understand it I love that Iran has its own incredibly complicated history with trans people and gay people who had sex changes basically forced upon them because of the criminalization of homosexuality, but the sponsorship of sex changes. Oh, my God. Yeah, I won't pretend to be incredibly well versed in it, and I'm sure that people more qualified than me have discussed it. So I'll simply say for everyone. Everyone look it up. I read about it. That's yeah. fascinating and yeah. horrible. Uh, I'll simply say it's a powerful scene, even without understanding the baggage behind it. I think that you see that this is outsider joy. It's relatable to them. Uh, and, it, and it totally works as this simple scene, especially because there is a melancholy to it as well. And I think that you can see that in uh, how punished and beat down both the girl and Arash feel and the history of state sponsored violence against marginalized peoples uh, is indicative of that as well. It's, it's just really a great one, two punch. Absolutely. It's a, it's a, it's a fun scene. You know, if you were to like, just take it, it, it you're just looking at it for what it is too. It's just like someone dancing with a balloon. That's yeah. Cool. Fuck yeah. Fun. Dude, fuck yeah, dude! I love when we dance with balloons. Dude. Fuck yeah, dude! <laughs> a single balloon. We're talking, we're talking about this movie a day after I saw it, and I'm having an emotional reaction knowing that history and why that scene right. is even more important. Like yeah. this, god damn, this that, movie. That's yeah. something that blew right past me too. Like that, I want to educate myself more on because that is, yeah, that's very interesting. The the yeah. whole backstory there. Yep. I was taking it for what it was. And not appreciating all the the the, the lore and that goes a, into that, and it was a dang delight, just yeah. what it was. Right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That night, Ati keys Arash's car, thinking it's the pimps, which is very funny. And <laughs> she's being followed by the girl, and she's scared, so she confronts her. But the girl just wants to give her the jewels. They're jewels, Betty. They're jewels. It's, it's, the blooms. They're not just jewels. They're not just jewels. I got you a bag of jewels. It's the watch and the necklace that she stole from the pimp. I know. I the was doing a reference, JP. I don't know that reference. I was talking about Freddy got fingered. I totally got it. God, I've, they, I've never seen that movie. Oh, it's amazing. It is amazing. It is genuinely a work of art. I mm-hmm. fucking love it. should be in a museum. It should be in a museum. The Backwards Man... He's the backwards man. He can walk backwards. Walk backwards, 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 backwards as you can, yeah. God damn it. 
There's God. I feel like fucking. I feel like Reeves now. It's so. I know. Good. Doesn't it suck? Reeves it sucks, man. <laughs> Hold on. I'm gonna keep we going so too. Because <laughs> when he's like, "Oh, should I get a little jobby?" <laughs> Him going on that rant is like the most. He should have won an Oscar. It's the most real reaction to mm-hmm. someone like talking to a creative person and being like, "So when are you gonna get a real job?" And just this. So patronizing question, and him being like, "Oh, I didn't think about getting a real job." Real job? <laughs> it's great. All right, I, George, I, because I do this whenever we, whenever you give me one of these, I'm adding Freddie Got Fingered to my list. Yeah, you should. But it's, I actually watch, but I actually watch the movies, so it's the list. Movie. Good. I'm glad. I want you to watch the this list. movie. This is great. And it's also important context to know. That they basically gave him a check and were like, go make whatever movie you want. And so it's, it's actually very punk rock of him to have burned this check <laughs> in the most uncommercial blimp explosion of all time. Yeah. That's awesome. It's you gotta love that. I do love Good it. Good middle finger. It's pretty fantastic. Now, the girl, not to jump right back in from Fre- Freddy Got Fingered to, <laughs> to The Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Yeah. Basically the same movie. It would have been impossible not yeah. to talk about it. Yeah. She says she's not religious, which emphasizes the disguised nature of the veil. Mm-hmm. And she also says she doesn't want to learn from Ati. She just wants to help her get out of the game. You don't remember wanting. It passed so long ago. And Ati says idiots and rich people are the only ones who think things can change. And the girl denies being a thief, but doesn't have an answer for then what are you? Gotta get that self-actualization, baby. Mm, baby, yeah, you gotta know who you are, baby. <laughs> no, you don't. I love, JP kind of talked about this a little bit, where she's like on the wall skateboarding, but she's like pensively skateboarding home. It's just yeah. such a funny idea to me, just like sadly skateboarding. It's like Charlie Brown on a skateboard, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. And I also... To JP's point earlier about the humanization of this character and how she makes mistakes and everything, even if I did not agree that that she shouldn't have done that to the little the little boy child, I do think that she makes a mistake here and she lashes out at this inner turmoil that she is feeling and feeds on an unhoused gentleman who is yeah. similarly marginalized, chilling in the yeah. alleyway, has nothing going on. And she lashes out. He's a man, and so he has it coming as well. And this, and again, I think that, that that it speaks to the like the longer they're here in this place that's not for them, the more it corrupts them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just like it, it's also kind of just she needs to eat. She's got to eat. Sure, and like that. That, I mean, that guy looked tasty. Yeah, this is a means to justify an end, which is kind of how a lot of society does operate a mm-hmm. lot of the time. Sure. You know, you know what you know what people say, Reed, is that the ends. They justify the means. They justify what? The, the the means are justified. Yeah. A lot what? Of people, are, people are saying it. I was at a hipster coffee shop earlier. Oh my god, this is yeah. This has really rocked my worldview. I mean, they didn't they didn't say anything. I just I was just trying to brag. Do you think the barbecue coffee. place ever puts on like a like a wacky the burn ends the burns and justify the meats? I think that they Could probably that be do. something. I think that they do. You think can they that do? Be our first shirt, guys. Can that be our first shirt? <laughs> That should be a shirt. Burnt ends justify the means. I have bad news about the qualifier of first on that. JP. <laughs> oh, okay, I, I, meant, I meant, I meant, I meant, I meant Pluto shirt. Oh, Pluto shirt. You want the yeah, Pluto we... shirt to be uh, from an unrelated podcast? 
this is absolutely related. We're in September. A reference to a, a non-existent barbecue place. I guess place. it is related, but I don't know. All right. All right. You're right. We'll, we'll come up with, we heard about Pluto barbecue joint. Reference we heard about Plute BQ. <laughs> we heard about Plute BQ. That's good. Look, if any of our many, many rappers are not listening to our episodes of this podcast, just stop listening in general. Get out of here. Wow. Yeah. I won't say that because I'm the nice one. Wow. Roll reversal. Mm. Wow. George, two out of ten pineapples. Wow. wow. I guess I'm the bad boy of this podcast. Though. Wow. I guess so. <laughs> Wait, who's the bad boy in the other one? George. Well established. Well established. You can't just say I'm the bad boy and then make that happen. Reeg said it. I said I guess I am. Someone has to fill the role. No, Reeg said it about George. And George, he's right. Yeah. I'm just he's agreeing right. with him. Wait, JP's asking why George is talking to the third person. That's part of what makes him the bad boy. Yeah, bad boy's talking to the third wow. person. Hey. All right, I get it. That's what bad boys do. I'm hitting That's jukeboxes. Remember? Oh. Hey, this is bleeding now, really bad. <laughs> I think we made that same exact joke the last <laughs> time. <laughs> Did we? I think so. I do hey. genuinely think that that probably uh, happened. It sounds like something I would say. I guess you could say it's a bit of a broken record. Oh, holy shit. Now, that would be crazy if we said that, too. That would be crazy. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't. It would be too too scary. This whole thing is scripted. All right. So she pencil these skateboards home. <laughs> she comes home to find a note from Dracula asking for a meeting on her door. And after dreaming of him, she does go. He got her a hamburger, which is nice. She holds it strangely, though. And he says, I never met someone who didn't like hamburgers. Mm-hmm. She picks out a little. Well, just to be polite. I mean, I literally thought about that line, and I was like, yeah, other than vegetarians and vegans? Yeah. And even they like hamburgers. Hamburger, though? Give a vampire a hamburger. All right, I'm just going to say it. Hamburger, better than cheeseburger. That's so so fucking wrong, dude. That's crazy. (laughs) That is a crazy thing to say. Little bacon burger from Five Guys. You get the the onions, the mushrooms, and A1. Baby, you got a burger going. This is hate speech, and I'm shutting it down. Cheese would also enhance that, though. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Nah. (laughs) Nah, cheese overrated. What do you think of vampire? I'm going to... I'm going to specifically test. not edit that out so that everyone just hears you say cheese is overrated, which is the most insane yep. take of all time. That was that's a nuclear take. It's yeah. a nuclear. My brand. My brand. <laughs> it's truly bonkers. It's a... <laughs> I was going to say, I think a vampire would like a hamburger. There's blood involved. It is meat. Not, you know, it was well done. <laughs> there was no blood. <laughs> really good and you wanted to blow past One that ha, ha, ha. he says i don't know your name and she says you don't know me deep but he asks her what the last song she listened to was which we already know that's their connection point mm-hmm. yep and this gets her this gets her to warm up and she says who let the dogs out by the baja men baja men yeah and then and they he, play the song and it's like well that was out of a little out of place well i really liked it because and, and that was my favorite scene of the movie when she when he when she says who let the dogs out by the baja men and he goes sad songs just hit the spot don't they <laughs> you go yeah they really do a rush yeah yeah <laughs> i never thought of it as a sad song <laughs> jokes about the baja men aside I hated Hold this on, scene. I'm not done joking about the Baja, man. <laughs> because I saw because I saw myself in this scene of like 
Yes, okay, I do actually feel like, yeah, sometimes sad songs really do hit the spot. Yeah, they do. Before I go back to joking about the Baja Men, which I do still have one more. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I should say that the song is Hello, Hello by Lionel Richie. Yes. A beautiful song. That is it a sad is. song. And my Baja Men thing was going to be that Reeves didn't know it was a sad song, but it's about losing your dogs. What else could it be? Mm, well, I think it's sung in such a happy tone, though. I think that's kind of like the, you know, the songs do that. They fool you. You know what I mean? I do know that. Things, I'm familiar. Stuff, but the message is bad. Sure. You know, and I can't like decipher. It's a distortion. Mm-hmm. It's like a distortion. So is true. About, another, is he singing about a woman or is he singing about his dog? Another mm-hmm. great tension of the reality and performative nature. It's really like this movie is kind of like the Baja men of movies. If you, if I, you want to think about I'm it, I'm so glad you came to that on your own because I was saving that for the end. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm but, sorry for stepping on well, it. Well, that's okay because now we're <laughs> setting it up ahead of time. Yes. He gives her the earrings that he was going to trade to the drug dealer, but her ears aren't pierced, which is very funny to me that she's just like, uh, sorry, guy. But <laughs> the gift is so touching to her that she asks him to do it right there with the pin. Another very intimate moment as the flame ignites on his lighter to sterilize it and he goes in for it. Like, metal is fucked, too. That close up on the lighter as it ignites really just struck me. Mm-hmm. It's fucking, it's awesome. It's, it's awesome. It's such a well shot scene. It's beautiful. There's also the, like, it's, I mean, look, I, I, not to be, it's not this, it's not meant to be so ham fisted, but he's literally like, inserting something into her flesh he's literally piercing her like it's 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 full penetration not it's not a subtle penetration it's yeah. not a subtle metaphor but at the same that. time it's also like this is painful for her this is awkward and not mm-hmm. something he wants to do without consent like it, it, it it's building that metaphor right Right, she says, also, do the other one as well. Right. She's fuck. She's it's metal as fuck. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Her fangs pop out of the pain, but she says, keep going. Do the other one as well. What lucky earrings he says, and goes in for a smooch. And I gotta say, pretty good line. Yeah, solid. <laughs> pretty good, guys. Pretty good. I'm sorry. Pretty good. You can cut this out. You can cut this out. I just got a text from Claire that said, I don't even know the context, but I'd buy that shirt. There you nice. go. Nice. Hell yeah. Pretty well, good. we got one, buyer. Let's go. We got to <laughs> make it. the shirt now. <laughs> now we're the on the hook for it. The burnt ends justify the meats. The meats. <laughs> yeah. The burnt ends justify the meats. My favorite part of it is how easily and smoothly we all manage to say it. <laughs> That's the key to a good merch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> flows. Yeah. After he goes in for this smooch, she says... You don't know the bad things I've done. And she stops him out of self-loathing. And he says, you don't know what I've done. But she stalks off. It's a good moment. Yeah, it is a great moment. Yeah. Dad is freaking out at the cat the next morning and at the memory of his wife, haunting him via photos, which he smashes. And he says the mom is in the cat. It's her eyes. Mm-hmm. And this is the last straw, last straw for Arash who gives Pops enough drug to OD on and some money and then kicks him out of the house for good and take the cat with you, he says. I'm like, let's not be hasty, Arash. Right. 
It's a good. Seems cat. a little harsh. Like yeah. he seems. Yeah, this seems like it's kind of like a lot of pent up anger that's explode, like misplaced anger mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's exploded. I think it was the first and only time I turned against Arash. Wow. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh. like, dude, no. You stole this cat, and now you're kicking him out. Yeah, your dad. That cat's your mom, dude. <laughs> yeah, he he once sold a card of any chase, and this is how you're going to treat him. Unbelievable! Like, unbelievable! Yeah. Unbelievable! Dad shoots up, and he goes to Ati's home for sex putting on a record first and he says i want you to dance for me in a reversal of the scene with the pimp uh, attempting a seductive dance earlier and you can see that he is looking for control over something since his addiction has control over him so he tries to inject her as well with force when she resists Mm. i say tries he does it he does it yeah that's a tough one this is a tough scene tough scene not, and he gets his comeuppance very quickly, but mm. it's yeah, it's not easy to watch. Yeah, yeah, I, it was. I, I said my piece earlier, but it was very upsetting. To me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he spoons her in the bed while they trip. Lots of great eye close-ups, and suddenly the girl stops in her tracks. She can feel this happening. Mm-hmm. Classically, Draculas have a lot of ties to animals as well, so the close-ups on the cat eyes feel like it could be an implied connection there as well. Yep, definitely. But I, I love I love that they left that open ended. Yeah. But it does heavily imply like that, that that she's seeing this through the cat's eyes. And while they're still in the drug haze, we see the girl tear him off the bed and then feed on him, which is an amazing scene. This sort of still tripping mm-hmm. hunger and and feeding there. They dispose of the body with the girl taking the cat at Ati's request. Back in the corpse gulch. Well, you know, he just gets tossed to the side there. He's, he doesn't even make it to the ditch. Yeah, he's on the, on, on the street. I forgot they just put him as if he just overdosed. I forgot. Right. And Arash discovers what became of his father, and he is racked with guilt at having sent him out into the cold world. He sits outside her door while she dreams of him, and he enters without being invited after she opens the door, which is a distinctly human move. Oh, I didn't even catch that shit. That's good. Nice. He starts to pack up for her, saying, let's leave this place together. Don't leave me. Don't leave me alone. And at first, it seems like she's not interested. But then she changes her top, and she fixes her hair, and she highlights the earrings that he gave her, a sign of her picking him. Mm. Wow. Yes. Wow. The problem is that he finds that she has the cat. Mm-hmm. And he realizes that she has killed his father. This was another one that I love the ambiguity here with just his facial expression. Just him, yep. this he really sold it too. Just the actor just crushed it. You kind of don't know. You think that he knows that she killed her, killed him, but you don't really know for sure. But it's it's great, one hundred percent. And and they build that into the subsequent scenes yes. as well, where you still don't know. Does he know, and is he angry if he does know, and you yeah. don't know? Mm-hmm. And they, they build tension there, again, through no dialogue. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and that no dialogue continues, because although he is shocked and upset, he chooses her as well, and he doesn't say anything as they drive out of the city with her in her superhero outfit. He lets the music do the talking as they listen to the radio. And the ending is kind of like The Graduate by way of Lost Highway. You know, I really fucking love it. And it's so funny to me also for them to, like, just be staring. That Like, I mean, they're on the verge of starting their new life. It's scary and exciting all at the same time. And then you have the cat just dead center of the frame, like, looking around being a cat. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Just, like, sitting there, too, in the middle. We're waiting to the end. The cat, yes. The cat is great. Uh, I will say... 
driving with a loose cat is the most stressful thing in the world. It's awful. I had the same. I'm like, no, the cat's going to get down by the pedals. It's going to be terrible. Yes. One time I was driving home with Stevie in the car and Stevie does not like the car. She was howling up a storm in the cat box. And I thought if I let her out, maybe she'll relax a little bit. Oh, George, I've been down this road, you poor, poor man. That was not the case. Of course she did not. No. Oh, God. I had another 90 minutes to go. Oh, rough. (laughs) Rough. (laughs) A fucking nightmare. That sounds like a nightmare. Cat nightmare. And I said, if I pull over to, like, try and shove her back in this box, that will only end in injury for myself yeah injury for yourself and then double the whining from the box yes yeah. exactly and so instead uh, uh we just both had a miserable time on the way up <laughs> real lose lose situation yeah, neither one of us was happy about that i definitely only did it one time in my life it was a time when i drove a manual transmission car oh, here decided after she was like sitting up on like the odd like 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 right behind my head She's like oh yeah this is fun we're buddies you're watching the road and then she was like okay i'm getting down here now that seems safer mm-hmm. and that was just under the pedals yeah mm, not good yeah not good no. it's not good and the movie yeah it, it ends she rejects this trap of being between the western and iranian tensions represented by bad town she speeds off with her chosen family and the one that she's finding a true community with a kindred spirit as opposed to someone merely thrown into a community by nationality and identity in that fashion and it just fucking works man it's just such a powerful ending i i love it so much and this takes us into the part of the show boys where we sum up why it's not just a good horror movie but is in fact the best horror movie ever made and i'm gonna let me start wow wow okay but then you get to change your opinion (laughs) yeah we'll bring a little pluto into it uh, let me just say, I don't suspect that I'm going to change my opinion. <laughs> Should we rank it out of uh, 10? 10 pineapples. Reasons yeah. are really persuasive. Yeah, so, you know, just hold on. All right. To me, this is the best horror movie ever made because the tension between reality and fantasy permeates every corner. From the dad saying we could have so much fun if we could drive around in a convertible, which Arash has, to the Dracula costume as he meets her, to the very existence of a vampire in this world. It is baked into every part of this movie. And it is it's done with such a deft hand that it never feels overbearing. It's also a tight hour 40. This movie moves yep. so quick for me, mm-hmm. despite the lack of dialogue. And especially at the end there, it would have been so easy to slap a monologue on and... And they trust the actors. They let the music and the performances speak for them. It's so impactful. Such a great dismount. And I, my initial reaction to this movie, which I am pulling a little bit from my Letterboxd review here, where I said, this movie, the, the phrase I used was slicker than the highway after a storm. It is slow and contemplative. It's black and white, but it has a warmth that I think is belied by that aesthetic, where you wouldn't necessarily expect it to feel that passion and that fire, but you do. There's a lot of very cool scenes, including a skateboarding vampire, and the scene in her bedroom where they're listening to death is 
truly one of the best movie scenes I have ever seen. I love this movie. I think the performances are so great. And for it to be so emotionally resonant and emotionally honest and feel emotionally vulnerable, like we talked about the difficulty that the girl has with being vulnerable and how that feels. There are parts of this that feel autobiographical. This can't have been an easy movie to make. And I just think that everybody involved did such a great job. Sheila Vand, incredible. Arash Morandi, incredible. Anna Lily Amirpour, incredible. Everybody just kills it. And that's why it's the best horror movie ever made. Wow. Let's, let's, uh, I'm going to pick, uh, JP. I'm going to pick JP first. I'll let Riggs uh, close this off and then I'll say if I change my opinion. The first thing I have to say about this movie is are you ready for a pea corner oh we got a pea corner guys oh i was saving this for you pea pea break, break, a, little break, a little pea corner for you let me tell you about the cat in this movie one of the highlights of this movie is cat actor masuka wow playing the cat who belongs to arash a young man struggling to deal with his drug addicted father's debts according to imbd masuka was not even originally a character in the film but director anna lily amipur was so impressed with his acting, she wrote him into the movie. And she was right to do it. Wow. Online fans have dubbed Masuka the Marlon Brando of cat actors. Yeah. Absolutely. That's incredible. And they're right. He's incredible. In that last scene. Oh, my God. That last scene, I had to stop watching because it was both emotionally devastating and wonderful and empowering and also the cat was so funny yeah all the time the cat <laughs> stayed in the shot the entire time looked at the people talking <laughs> ducked down under the mirror to look at the camera like it, the cat was so fucking good yeah i loved it all right talk about why it's the best i'm trying not to get choked up like movies are really important to me and i always want to see something that makes me feel connected to humanity. I, I, I love a good storytelling, but it's art when you can tell a story in a way that resonates with real people, that feels honest, that, yes, it's a movie about a skateboarding vampire. It's also just a movie about, like, two broken people struggling and trying to, to find something that's making it worth them living another day. It's a devastating premise. And then on top of that, it's so gorgeous. And the soundtrack is so good. And you just are watching something that it's perfect. It, 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 they perfectly executed this thing. It doesn't mean that it's the only perfect movie, but it is perfectly done. This movie makes me angry because I will never in my life be able to get the people that I love and want to share this with to fully appreciate or even watch this. It's a hard sell movie. It's a black and white Iranian vampire movie. That's not a selling point to my MAGA parents. It's, it's, it's really like, it's so hard because I want everyone to see this. This is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. I think that you should stop doing this podcast now, George. We found it. Because this is literally... The best horror movie that's ever been made. We did it. I don't oh. see anyone topping this. All right. Riggs. Incredible. Two out of ten pineapples. 
10 out of 10. Wow. And and did not belabor the point. Like, and it's, it's, is it's it's incredible it's, it's i had no idea what to expect coming into this and just from like i feel like you can appreciate it on multiple levels too you can peel back the layers and like look at all like the the themes that are layered throughout george you hit that nail on the head where it is in every single facet of the movie but just on a surface level too it just looks beautiful like mm-hmm. just the 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 black and white of of it all i know i said it before but then the lighting i just i love just looking at this movie and like the way the way she skateboards through too and how like that's just kind of like juxtaposed with her being a vampire. It's just, it's fucking awesome. Like yeah. so much of it is cool. There is, um, and I really like too the, the, the way they do the vampire, like I'm a sucker for lore and I need it either all or nothing type of deal. Like <laughs> I need to either be beat over the head with the lore. Like this is why this is. And I like how they deliberately did not do that. Like it is a tight hour 40, and they just don't even acknowledge any, like, why is she a vampire? Like, why is she here? Like, they don't even acknowledge yeah. any of that. And I love that. It just makes it for... Not important. That, it's not important. It's, what is important is, like, the emotional connection that these characters have a lot of the time. And the her presence in this town and how that kind of flips the the standard on its head. But it is. It's just... It's a, it's a beautifully shot movie. I love the how, what they did with really every aspect of it. I want to watch it again. I want to, and there's not too many movies where I leave where I'm like, I want to see this again. I want to be able to, just talking to you guys now, I'm like, oh, I kind of miss that little part. I want to go and see that again. And the way they're able Reeks, to. I'm, I'm, I'm going to buy it. Yeah. I, I, like, I think this is going to be on my like Fury Road short list of like movies that I rewatch all the time. Totally. It's one of the few that I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I regret, I rented it. And I'm like, I should have fucking bought it. So like, yeah, it's, it's the, it's, it's the, it's the greatest horror movie ever made. And I will say too, Georgie read your letterbox review. I'll, I'll read mine. I, little, little red riding hood. This is more like a uh, little dead skating hood. So true. I'm, wow. I'm always saying that. Yeah. Is that good? It's perfect. And now that it has come back around to me, I will say that you did not change my mind. This is still the best horror movie ever made. <laughs> 10 out of 10 pineapples remains 10 10. my score. Same. It's uh, it's the best horror movie ever made. I will also say, just for fun, that my other pick for today that I contemplated pretty strongly, in fact, even mentioned it to the boys and got a positive mm. response, was Donnie Darko, which would have been yeah. a very different conversation. Totally. Yes. Yeah. I do fucking love that movie, and I hate stupid people who don't get the ending. Yeah. It's a really great movie, uh, but I, I have faith that somebody will pick that movie still. Oh, someone's got to. Yeah. It's a classic. If nobody's picked it by this time next year. That, there we go. There we that's go. That'll be 2023. 20, sorted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm really glad that we picked this one, because I do hope that more people check it out. I hope that this is an encouragement for people to watch this movie, mm-hmm. because it really deserves more eyes on it. It's incredible. Does. Yeah, one hundred percent. I'm gonna I'm gonna preach the gospel of this movie, George. Before you even before you even are it, boys, please let me thank you for having us here. This yes. is it, it's you you do such an amazing podcast here. You 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 have so much work you put into these things, and you have so much passion for it. And it's just it's it's really awesome to be here doing this with you. So thank you. I love doing it with you, pal. I couldn't say it better myself. Yes, this has been a, a true delight. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I look forward to Plutember every year. It's the best time of year. I love love chopping it up with the boys. It's nice to get to talk about a movie that... Look, I mean, as uh, many people have picked movies that I am passionate about. Many people have introduced me to great movies. But 
getting to just pick it and be like, here's a movie that I love and I'm putting my stamp on it and mm-hmm. saying that this is something that I feel strongly enough about to put in front of everyone. This movie means a lot to me. And so I'm really glad that you guys liked it as well. So, oh, yeah. Well, thanks, thank it. you for sharing it with us. Yeah, yeah this Absolutely. was awesome. All right, plug time. Uh, I'll let you guys go first. Anything you guys want to plug? Reeg, start it off with you. I'll, yeah, I'll go quick because I, I, my episode was just last week, so I did all my major plugs there. You should listen to that malignant episode if you haven't yet. But really, yeah, just follow me, Twitter and Twitch, Reeg's 815 There you go. JP? I really want to plug, uh, we heard about Pluto. It's a wonderful psych rewatch podcast. The three of us are the hosts. We can argue about the hierarchy there. <laughs> Really, just it, 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 it's it's a nice break from the cynicism and the the kind of anti-hero bullshit that we we are exposed to all the time. It's three nice boys talking nicely about a nice show. Right. It's really something that if you want to hear more of us just gushing over things, you should definitely listen. Yeah. So we heard about Pluto. And the only other thing I want to uh, promote right now is just be out there taking care of people. Be out there doing what you can. Donate to the causes that are right. We're in a scary, scary age right now. So I honestly just want everybody out there to know that we're all here for you. And also, you can be out there for other people. So just stay true to yourself and uh, donate to the good causes. Sure. Tough time of year. So take care of each other for sure. As far as my plugs, I do want to encourage you all to check out We Heard About Pluto. I try not to be annoying about it on this show and kind of save my plugging of it for Plutember. But in return, that means you guys should really take this plug to heart yes. and you should go listen to We Heard About Pluto because I co-sign everything JP said. It is a lot of fun and we have a really great time. And I think that the three of us, a great combo. I think that, I that it's, it's, it's a lot of fun talking with you guys. And so that we get to all do it about a show that we all really enjoy. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, who says no to that? Yeah. It's you know, such a great right. time. You know, that's right. Indeed. Mm-hmm. I've heard it both ways. Mm. <laughs> I don't know that quote. <laughs> <laughs> as far as my plugs for this show. Yeah. Check out all of the other Plutember episodes. They were a lot of fun. JP did Lost Boys. Reese did Malignant. Both great. Mm-hmm. I also just released the, uh, the preview of the Patreon episode, The Last of Us Part 2 with Kevin Bartelt from The Flagrant Ones. Oh, dip. Yeah. Chef Kevin? Chef Kevin. He's back, baby. He's back talking. I have his apron. I have his apron. Wow. There you go. Now you know. And <laughs> that rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> Give him a beat. Give me a beat, baby. <laughs> but yeah, so he, he came back to talk about that. And I put on the main feed, I put an hour of that episode. But that's just the context part. That has none of the plot discussion, a whole lot less of the theme discussion. So if you really want the goods, if you want the full two hour and 30 minute episode, which this is shaping up to be pretty close to that as well, then you got to check out the Patreon. Because the Patreon for just five, five measly dollars a month for less than the cup of coffee for less than one vampire a month. You mm-hmm. could support this podcast and show. I mean, it would mean a lot because, yeah, like JP said, I put a lot of work into it. You get all kinds of great stuff, like two and a half hour episodes about The Last of Us Part Two. And we just talked about Basket Case Three and also some of Basket Case Two <laughs> <laughs> um, in that discussion. 
So really, we're all over the place. You know, you can get anything and everything. Lists. Uh, we did rankings of our top Simpsons Treehouse of Horror shorts from the first 10 seasons with some other Simpsons super fans. And that was a lot of fun. Uh, so much fun stuff. And, and as I shift into this other plug here very nicely, as I shift to the bi-weekly new schedule for the new year, any bonus stuff, any, any stuff that I feel compelled to do with my newly freed up time, that's going to go to the Patreon. So uh, if you want to keep an eye on all the hot haps for Blahip, then the Patreon's the place to be. So check that out. And you can follow me on Twitter for uh, for as long as that exists <laughs> at LittleHorrorPHL. <laughs> and that username applies pretty much everywhere, including Instagram and Letterboxd. Send me an email with some questions at bestlittlemailbag at gmail.com. Rate and review if you're enjoying the show and you don't want to spend any money. I'm trying to get every plug in while it's like the, the last episode of the year. This is the big one, right? I don't know. Just have a good holiday season. Take care of each other. Yeah. And, and have a good new year. You know, here's my key to resolutions. Do something achievable, something that you know you can do because it you have something hanging over your head that doesn't feel good. You wind up not doing it at all. But if you do something achievable, like one of mine was ride a longboard. I didn't say that I was going to be perfect at it. I got a longboard. I rode it a few times. And I decided it wasn't for me, but I tried something new and I really enjoyed it for that little bit of time. And I felt good about doing it. And so something achievable, I think, is the key. So take that into your new year. <laughs> That's right. George, thank you for bringing a really heartfelt and honest uh, closing to the whole thing. This feels like a really good episode. Normally you end on like, I hate everybody. Yeah. Should all bird. the acquaintance be <laughs> forgotten? Well, here's my resolution. 1920 by 1080. Wow. Wow. I will say my real resolution, which is to watch all of the physical media that I have, but have not watched yet. Oh, God. I'll never be able to do that. There's so much. There's a lot, but I have already given up on so i did the 365 challenge many years in a row i did it for four years in a row where i watched 365 new to me movies every year jesus dude yeah well it started while i was unemployed <laughs> so <laughs> you know i'm sure I, i'm sure there was no depression in play <laughs> but, but um but this was the first year in a while that i am not i'm not hitting that goal and I'm, I, it's fine. I'm not mad about it or anything because that time went into the podcast instead. So I was doing something else valuable. And uh, and here is a, a beautiful, beautiful Bernard, right? That's Bernard? That's Bernard, Sorry. yes! And um, I lost my train of thought. What was I just fucking saying? I was Bernard rambling. is very distracting. Look at this handsome yeah. boy. I was rambling. So it probably wasn't, probably wasn't that important. <laughs> God damn it. All right, I'm signing off. Oh, wait, I do. Yeah, from Bernard and the rest of us. Yes, from Bernard and the rest of us. Happy New Year. Happy holidays. Whatever it is you're celebrating. Just have Happy a good winter, baby. Plutember. Watch this movie. Yeah, Give Plut celebrate Plutember. And, Give Plutember uh, back to the boys. That's right. Plutember. 
Thember is for the boys, but in like the metaphorical sense where women and other genders are also included as part of the boys. Right. Uh, Absolutely. We are. It's the boys, the TV show. Right. Gender inclusive, the boys. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, Blahip in 2023. A lot of great stuff in store. All right. Bye. Smooches.